the hyperfixated person's unit. I'm Joel, and I'm about to serve you the 11th course of this meal, which consists of Tic Tacs and a single piece of sirloin steak. I'm Claire, and yes, I would eat the lab-grown human meat. I'm Goldie, and I have the taste buds of a 12-year-old. And today, we're talking about Ugly Delicious, which is a Netflix special show. It's a show, not a special, because special is a one-off. So it's a Netflix show uh, about food. It's not quite a cooking show. It's not quite a documentary. I've had this described as almost a free-form essay of types about food and food pretension. But yes... So the food retention? Pretension. Oh, pretension. So right. do you yes. see like the food being cooked or is it you don't see the cooking? There, was, there is cooking going on, okay. but it's not about cooking. Right. This isn't like a Huey's Cooking Adventures or like a show where they're like, I am now going to cook for you this thing. Mm. There, is, there is part of that, but this is definitely a lot more about... Um, the context surrounding food almost. So it's like an anthropological historical examination of food. Yes, that's a great way of putting it. Mm-hmm. It's a, It focuses a lot. The sort of name Ugly Delicious comes from the fact that there's a lot of foods which are really good but aren't considered like fine dining, mm. fancy food. And this explain, this explores a lot of that. So it's things like Mexican. Mexican isn't usually considered fine dining. Why not? It's great. Mm. It arguably tastes better than a lot of fine dining stuff. Why isn't fried chicken looked upon better? This reminds me of when you were saying that um, fried chicken is like a rich person's food in Korea, South Korea. Uh, It might be. I think Japan, fried food in Japan is seen as a sign of wealth, which surprised me because when I went over there, I was like, I'll just get some tempura. This is $30. (laughs) Like, that's insane. Uh, And then I went down to a sushi bar and I was like, this is like a dollar a thing for like fresh, high level like sushi. And it's just, it was bizarre how backwards we have it because over here, tempura is like the, like here, we'll put in a paper bag for you and Mm. it's $2. There you go. Over there, it's like you eat it for like fancy stuff. I don't know about South Korea has a lot of fried chicken. I don't know if it's a status symbol. I'm though. pretty sure it was you. We went we went to um, Nene's once. Nene's. Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. And you were saying that when I don't have you been to South Korea? I haven't been to South Korea. I've been to Japan. Because you were mentioning something about ads in South Korea, and it was all all the, the ads for fried chicken were because in Nene's chicken. So for those I don't know international context around Nene's, but Nene's is a chain that is in South Korea. Uh, a few other countries, and it's now in Australia. It's a fried chicken chain from Korea. And yeah, it had a lot of its ads in the store for itself, that are like the, but the Korean ads, and they're all about, they're all aimed at really wealthy women mm. because they're trying to market it as like a treat for the wealthy right. kind of people, like a kind of almost high class takeout sort of thing, which links into this idea pretty well. That Like you, I remember... Uh, it was some other documentary that I was looking at, and I don't know what, but it was talking about caviar. And it was like, caviar for most of the world is this elite uh, rich person's food that's insanely expensive, and they put it on biscuits and all that stuff, and it's like worth its weight in gold in some cases. But then like the people who farm it have it on breakfast, have it on toast for breakfast because they just got like shitloads of the yes. stuff, and it's cheap great. as shit. Yeah. And they're like, this is our bread and butter. Like, fucking, we, we, we are swimming in this shit, and these... Like, and yeah, this really does break down how 
not just how food is marketed. That's a part of it. Mm-hmm. But not it's not even necessarily just marketed as in capitalism made this fancy. Sometimes it's just culturally we mm. decided that this is worth more than this. Mm. Um, there's a really there's an essay I read recently around making an argument for Western Chinese should be considered a regional offshot of Chinese, not this. A lot of the time now it's perceived like that's not really Chinese stuff. And that's almost an attempt to be woke because it's like, it's almost racist to think that Chinese people eat this, but also Chinese people make this. Like Mm -hmm. Chinese people design this. Isn't this still Chinese food? It's not what they eat back in China. But this was made by Chinese Mm. immigrants. Just in a Western oh, context. Yeah. Westerners in so like like American like stuff. I thought you meant like the Western region no. of China. Yeah. And I was thinking like, well, yeah, yes. China's a massive place with yes. tons of people. They'd of course have tons of different styles. And that's true. Like in China, they have different regions with radically different foods. So what's mm. to say that like American Chinese or sweet and sour pork is any less valid? Yeah. Mm. It's, yeah. yeah it's, um, As a food type. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely agree with that. And um, I, don't know, I, I find that... I don't want to get too political. <laughs> um, I, I just I I don't like the tendency I sometimes see where cultural purity is considered yes. woke. Yeah, this actually tackles that. So I think that's a this is a nice way to bring that up because this show does tackle that idea of like, do you have to be from somewhere to make it? And I think a lot of the conclusion it seems to come to is if you understand where it came from, you can make whatever you want. Mm. But the trick to the real big thing, which when cultural appropriation started, it was meant to be like as an idea taking off. It originally started as the idea of like, stop taking our traditions and just grossly misrepresenting them without any of the context or any of that. And it quickly turned into, if you're white, you can't do any of yeah, this. Yeah, you see. Which is not really what it was meant to do, I don't mm, think. Like, I think it's yeah. totally fair to... Um, Expect people to like what what I've heard about the original idea of cultural appropriation is that you're basically taking something from a like an oppressed culture and then pretending it you came up with it. Yes, which is it, like jazz. Yeah, also, that kind of that's another yeah. part of it. Like yeah. in that case, you're basically taking the credit for something where it doesn't really matter what the race is. Well, I guess. It, I mean, if so- I would say it does still matter. I mean, there, like if you if you if like a white person took the ideas from say a lower class white person and pretended it was their idea, it would be the same problem. Yeah, it's still shit. Yeah, but I think there's also this there's a certain level of misrepresentation of a culture, mm. which I think cultural appropriation is specifically okay. designed to address. Like Day of the Dead, like everyone kind of just this kind of surface level idea of it mm. and into making it into an excuse to get super wasted. Um, that's a bit more of an issue than say. So I found out recently yeah. that um, there were one of the recent James Bond films, Bond wades into a day of the dead uh, parade pretty much in that town or that region. They don't actually do those. They set it up for the film because they're like, oh, this seems like the sort of thing that would happen here. This is a cool <laughs> set piece for Bond to wade into. It's just not a thing. But after the film happened, everyone in the like region was like, hey, that was fucking great. Let's do this. And, <laughs> That's great. And so Bond, the Bond franchise has now triggered this place to start making this a regular thing. Yeah. And they're like, this is great. So yeah, I, I just hate it when, especially people on Tumblr, fuck them. 
um, use cultural appropriation as this idea that all cultures must be pure and th- yes. there's no such thing as cultural rev- evolution and uh, we can't gain anything of value by uh, get, taking ideas from each other and mixing and... Yeah, oh, it, I hate it, them, sorry. Yeah, it's the, the kind move, of <laughs> it's the point of like, I like sushi. I like to eat sushi. Yeah. I might make sushi one day. Yes. That's that's as far as I go on and, the thing. And maybe you'll invent your own kind of sushi. Everyone's got some really cool yes. ideas. I want to yeah. figure them out. And yeah. yeah. And I think this is kind of exploring around where a lot of stuff comes from because if you understand it, sometimes it really helps yeah. to it with that evolutionary process a little bit because like um, it goes, it, it talks a bit about, it talks a lot about class. It talks a lot mm. about race. This is a political show, I would say. Like, uh, overall, this is... Because food is quite a political mm. topic at the end of the day, more so than you might realise before you watch this. I, I think for me it's that I'm a big fan of cultural mixing and cultural evolution and everyone taking from what from all over the world what works best for them yep. and making... Everyone's had a lot of good ideas. Let's yeah. keep sharing all of this and yeah. see what but works. But I, I totally agree that we should give credit where credit's due, yes. mm. which is... But also just yeah. not even just credit, just respect for where it mm. came from. Yeah. Like... um. In Parasite, there's that classic scene where they're like, um, where the the wife asks the housemaid to make instant noodles, but to add sirloin steak to it. So to take something that's traditionally an extremely lower class food, but like just fancy it up a little bit. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess the idea is like some of the foods that are here that are presented in this were made almost like. Some of them are like traditionally meant to be lower class foods. And then some of these restaurants will take the same idea and then put it on a plate and say, it's fine dining, here's 40 bucks for it. Yeah. Mm. And it's like, is that like all right to do? <laughs> like to some degree? Like uh, to rem- present it like this? <laughs> do you know what that reminds me of? NFTs. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> it's very kind of similar. It's just, it, it presents a lot of interesting ideas. It's. I would like to highlight, it has been a while since I watched season one of this. Mm-hmm. And so if any of the things I'm talking about as themes do not appear, I take no responsibility. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I'm pretty sure I remember them very much doing because they set me off for a lot of this thinking around it. So, it? so this show is uh, multi-seasons. Uh, how many episodes a season? Like what sort of... It's two seasons. Right? The first season is eight episodes, which is longer than I thought. So I'll, I've... When we get to what we're watching, I'll talk about that. Sure. The second is only four because um, the presenter had a kid and Aww. was pretty much like, <laughs> yeah. Um, the, the, look, the second season of this honestly pales in comparison to the first. Right. And um, so this show is created by David Chang. So he's a reasonably famous chef, but not so famous that you, I wouldn't blame you for not hearing about him. I don't know any chefs. That's fine. He... Um, he has a chain of restaurants called um, Momofuku, uh, mm-hmm. which is basically the idea of he, he was a really good chef and he branched out on his own. And he opened up a ramen noodle bar, which for a chef of his caliber was a bit controversial, but it right. got two Michelin stars okay. and it really took off. And it's kind of really shows the pedigree of where he's coming from here because he made his start making quote unquote ugly food. All right. If you know what I mean, but mm. making it almost borderline on that fine dining level quality. There's a Chinese restaurant that opened up near me recently. I took you to it. Mm. Um, I don't know. I never got your opinion on that, but yeah, all right. the reason why I love that 
you didn't get what they do really well. Mm. But they do that Western style Chinese stuff, but they do it with like the highest quality ingredient that they can get their hands on. Mm-hmm. And it tastes so good. It's phenomenal. Like I, I don't, I can't eat regular Chinese stuff anymore <laughs> um, because it's so much better. And I'm just like, why isn't it always like this kind mm-hmm. of thing? And I think he did a similar thing with his restaurant where he took ramen. This was in 2004, by the way. So there's a million great ramen bars out there now. Mm-hmm. So people who are like, oh, ramen being fancy, what a revolutionary idea. This was at 15 years ago now yeah. when it was. The idea of like, maybe ramen shouldn't just come out of a cup. Maybe it can be really, really good. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, uh, yeah. I kind of have a... Which in Japan isn't revolutionary. I, I, yeah. I haven't... <laughs> A ex- personal experience, which might kind of relate to this in a way. I grew up in the Pilbara where there was basically shit all. Yes. And this is like a place in the middle of nowhere in Australia. So it's actually in the middle of nowhere. Mm. You have to drive for two days to reach the city. Um, and we didn't have a KFC there. Yes. And people would sometimes go to the city, which was two days away by car, or like two hours by plane, and they pick up KFC and they put it in a cooler, and they bring it back to um, they bring it back to the Pilbara, and so KFC for us was this luxury that we had to go through this huge Lord of process, the Rings yeah, quest. in order to um, a life possibly life threatening trip through yeah. the desert to get <laughs> to um, to acquire. And then I came to Perth and people were like, KFC, it's so gross and trashy. And I was like, what the fuck are you talking about? It's KFC. Yeah. (laughs) So it just goes to show that food, we put a lot of value on certain foods, most of them white, um, because most fine dining restaurants will be Italian or French Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Um, You will not find... You'll, you'll find some Asian ones, but only the um, specific type of like high-class Asian food sometimes. Right. Like this gets into it with fine dining in China is actually around texture. So what fine dining over here is you'll take like a stir fry and you'll make it with like really high quality ingredients and all that and that sort of thing. In China, fine dining is here's like this thing from the bottom of the ocean. It feels in your mouth like nothing else you'll ever feel. And that's the point. It actually doesn't matter how it tastes. What matters is this is completely and utterly alien in terms of like texture and feel and all of that. And that's what makes it special. That's what makes it like worth this much because Mm -hmm. it's different to that fundamental level. And it just shows how the, that idea can change a lot. Right, yeah. yeah there's a lot of relativity to a lot of this to stuff. To a lot of things. So with David Chang, a few interesting tips and bits. He used to be a golfer um, to a reasonably high level. Uh, he also won Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Oh. Wow. When okay. he was already a celebrity chef, but he it was a donation to charity. That's good. So he did it to raise money for his charity. He didn't actually become another a millionaire again because he's already obscenely wealthy. That would be pretty shitty thing to do. Yes. Um, so he's... What else we got? Uh, a few bits and pieces. He named Momofuku... Firstly, it does mean something in Korean. I can't remember what it is. I think Momo means peach. Or is that in Japanese? It might mean peach, but it also sounds like motherfucker, which was deliberate. <laughs> um, so... Uh, Fuku isn't isn't Fuku that 
uh, blowfish? Might be. That's Fugu. Oh. And um, I don't think he's... I might be wrong. I don't think he's Japanese. I think he's Korean ah. in origin. Um, so, and Fugu is a Japanese word. But okay. There might be a lot of overlap there. Uh, I might be talking out my ass. As much as this show tries to tackle pretension in food... It sometimes doesn't. David seems quite pretentious himself at times, mm-hmm. and it doesn't always escape its own pretension sometimes, just to let you guys know that. Um, especially in the second season. To me, it loses a lot of its heart after the first season, right. which is where it really tackles all the hard stuff, and it becomes a bit more about pretentious food in the second one. Mm-hmm. To me, I don't know. It feels less. Uh, maybe not. The second one didn't feel like it had quite... It didn't hit me quite as hard, but it might also be that I had already digested its themes at that point, and mm-hmm. so it didn't seem as new. So um, is each episode about like a particular culture or a particular a thing? A different food, usually, right. which comes with a particular culture, usually. Right. Um, I don't... If you want to bring up... Do you have Netflix? Yep. If you bring up Netflix, we can look up an episode list real quick because I forgot to put it in my notes. I, I just want to ask the most important question. Yes. Is there food porn? Yeah, I would say there is. It looks like then there's I a fair it. amount. We're just watching the trailer <laughs> yeah. on loop at the moment. There's a so. fair lot. It does show you a lot of the process of making this stuff and all of that. I spent half my free time just watching cooking videos yeah. on YouTube and torturing myself because I can't eat the food. You'll probably <laughs> like this, though. <laughs> this will make you want to travel and eat. Um, which two is things I can't do. Two things you cannot do at the moment. Um, so, so, yeah, season one, uh, we start off with pizza, ta- then tacos, home cooking, shrimp and crawfish, barbecue, fried chicken, fried rice, and then just stuffed, which is Italian stuffed pasta versus Asian dumplings. Ooh. Yes. I love dumplings. That's a cool comparison. I mean, it is. Yeah, like pasta uh, is a thing is like, I'm pretty sure it was sourced originally from Asia of some kind. And then the Italians got their grubby little hands on it and made all of the wonderful different kinds of Italian pasta and dishes. But yeah, like tortellini versus a dumpling Etymologically, like functionally, they are rather similar. Very similar, but one is fine dining and one is takeout. It's funny though. Um, <laughs> so that's kind of the idea. Mm. We went behind to, it. It's they're functionally yeah. the same thing. We went yeah. to the Crown for um, Christmas, and a lot of the re- they had a lot of fine dining restaurants there, and they had some of the, like the French and Italian fine dining restaurants, but they also had Chinese and Japanese fine dining dining restaurant uh, dining. dining dining restaurants. Yeah, I we love went de- to I the restaurants. We went to the Chinese one, which had just, yeah, high-quality versions of a lot of the food you'd see um, at a regular Chinese, like um, mm-hmm. a lot of dumplings that were really good. Mm-hmm. And um, But, yeah, it, it, so there are fine dining Chinese and Japanese things, but they are a lot less common. Mm-hmm. Yes, but they're also not what you would mm. – what Chinese people would consider mm. fine dining. That is Western people's idea of fine mm. dining filtered through mm. the Chinese lens again. Mm. Um, so – uh, a couple of bits and pieces just to quickly warn you, and I'll get through the notes and you can ask me any question that you want. Yep. Kind of thing. David can be a bit of a dickhead. I don't know if I would like him very much as a person. Okay. He's very passionate and I love listening to him talk. Sometimes, like, in the opening minutes of Pete's uh, episode, he goes to this Japanese restaurant and they're like trying to show him this thing with like tuna and how the different soy sauces make it taste different and all of that. And he's just like, can we just get to the pizza, please? Like just immediately. And I'm like, he's just... Wait, a he Japanese can't... place that does pizza? It's in Japan, yeah. Oh. Um, it's, But there's a few bits and pieces around. Um, 
Let me just double check. I've got everything. It has a lot of fun with its presentation, and each mm. episode has a bit of a different sort of theme right. to it. A little bit. A lot of fun celebrity cameos. Um, Eric from Tim and Eric shows up. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. There's just there's a lot of fun little celebrity cameos. Um, it's as much as it tries to not be very pretentious. It once again kind of falls into the trap occasionally. Mm-hmm. I think it's just because David is very pretentious. How himself. would you say it's pretentious? He's very much, um, it very much likes to bathe in how smart it is as a show, I think, mm-hmm. sometimes. It's hard to describe. I would like to see if you guys pick up on it or if that's just my own thing. Because I, I don't know. I, I don't see, mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it depends on, I, I guess we'll wait and see. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I often appreciate uh, a good a good little bit of pretension every now and then. Uh, I just make sure to be self-aware of it of yes. like i would love to wax philosophical about some bit of bullshit but i'm like i know that i'm wasting your time but this is enjoyable for me whatever slap me and tell me i'm done because i see pretension as pretending to be deep when you're just using big words to say normal things yeah that's my idea of pretension i think sometimes the show overthinks itself a little bit but i i'm also aware from i've looked through a short list of my topics and i think I'm more than happy to own that I am the most pretentious person of our trio <laughs> in terms of some I mean, of the we might, things. We might see if we can compete at that. <laughs> see if you can. But I think I like, I myself can, I think can sometimes be a bit too pretentious myself. So mm-hmm. I think it's, um, I don't know if I'm doing all Well, if you want to be less pretentious, maybe you should watch Free Guy. Maybe I should, <laughs> but I won't. That's kind of my point. I don't want to watch Free Guy because... Just, so it's I've a got, great movie. Yeah, but I won't watch it because I'm a dickhead. Yeah, so well, maybe I'll have a movie night and make you watch it. All right. Well, and I won't ahead. tell you that I'm going to so put it on. Joel, you are too based for the cringe, uh, uh, which is Free Guy. <laughs> what I'm trying to point out is I think I am myself a bit cringe because I am. Mm-hmm. Like I think yeah. I've been called pretentious before, but that's just because I'm smart. Yes, possibly. Yeah. And I, I, well, too smart for yeah. our own good. But there we go. Like, I don't consider that pretension. That's just called <laughs> being smart. Get better, scrubs. Yeah, we'll, we'll see how we <laughs> get go. on my level. Yeah. Um, do any of you have any big questions for me around this stuff? Uh, not really. Um, I'm excited. I, I like the framing of uh, how this all is, how it's described. I'm not a fine dining person, really, at all. <laughs> do you remember when we did <laughs> you that? Certainly are. So, yeah, we did. did you remember we, when we did that quiz? That uh, yes. Yeah. So there was a quiz on Facebook, which was like. Uh, what sort of class is your food taste? So they're like, out of all these foods, what do you like? And then from that, it would kind of assign them to like upper class, middle class, lower class sort of shit. Uh, and then it would give you an overall ranking of like, what what is your class in terms of food? Uh, and I was like, the most slovenly yeah. peasant <laughs> thing, like give me a fucking big bowl of ravioli. Uh, and like my ideal uh, meal of pasta is too much pasta, full stop. <laughs> just keep going like i go to italian restaurants because they give you too much pasta and i love it that's it what were you uh i think i had a decent i was about 50 50 lower class and fancy shit which makes sense because my upbringing was pretty much that because my dad was very much like his oven chips and sausage rolls and he's to take out and my mom was like i have prepared a free course meal Mm -hmm. of the finest Mm -hmm. like foods and so that's why I think I have a bit of a foot in both in terms of like, I love a greasy mess and I also love like it's three bites of something designed to be like special. Mm-hmm. And so it's, um, I've got 
a little bit of both, I think, in terms of what I... I'm quite flexible in what I eat. There isn't much I don't eat, uh, even though most of what I eat makes me very unwell. <laughs> so, oh dear. yeah. The only thing I really don't eat is lentils, partly because they make me really unwell, and secondly because there's something about them where I just find them really unpalatable. Mm-hmm. But I, I'm not a very fussy eater at all. I'll eat pretty much anything you put in front of me. Mm. The test told me I was unclassifiable. But, uh, An anomaly. Because I was... I was I was pretty hungry when I was taking it, so I said yes to most things. Although I got the lowest score for lower class, and I think the, my highest was upper middle class. Because like whenever we'd hang out, Claire, uh, and we'd uh, go to the shops and buy some snacks, I'd be like, I want some basic milk chocolate, and a lot of it, and that's it. And you'd get like nuts or <laughs> fruits and berries or uh, whiskey or the weirdest chocolates that I could ever you could I ever. I currently find. have. Um, peanut butter jelly chocolate in my fridge. Yes. It's pretty good. I'm s- and I'm just not about. I, I'm not about any of that. I'll, I'll think dark chocolate's a little fancy. One of the things I like about our trio is that we have different enough tastes that it keeps things fresh. Because mm. I have loved every one of your episodes, <laughs> even though they are the dairy milk chocolate of interest in a lot of ways. Yes, except, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I like that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I'm like, here's a experimental Swedish. Here's the whiskey and peanut butter chocolate of like <laughs> the, the musical world. Yeah, so it's um, I I like that we have this that different outlook to everything. Yeah, and and yeah. something that like I've, I've done like a movie club before, and something I enjoy about this setup that we have here is even if I don't like something, I'm really happy to be exposed to it. Yeah. Um, because then I can at least be like. Oh, have you heard of this cool thing? And I was like, yes, I've uh, done a full analysis of it. I think it's crap. I don't <laughs> like it. Um, it. Like I did a, um, uh, I've only recently kind of gotten into wine. Um, it t- just to be like, have it to be palatable in any way enjoyable. Um, for the longest time, I've never liked alcohol or figured it out. And so what I did at one point, because everyone kept being like, oh, try this, try that, try that. And I don't really like being shown foods in that way. So I asked my nono, who uh, lived in Melbourne and all everyone in the family is all big on wine. And I said, can you just like show me to a bunch of wineries? Like me and my partner at the time went over to Melbourne and he was like, cool, great. For one day, we just drove out to like half a dozen different wineries, tried a whole bunch of them, um, sampled a whole bunch of different and interesting things. And at the end of the day, I went, I hated all of these. Okay. <laughs> and I was like, great, cool. I can nail, nail the coffin on that. Um, I've given this a good shot. Well, last time we spoke, you actually mentioned like, oh, I'm only just getting into red. And I was like, you started with red? Red is like the least accessible. And you're like, no, I hate white. I was like, really? That's interesting. I think that's most people start with white. That's probably just can't get into red. That's probably just incompetence on my part of I went, what in my but, mind, what does wine look like? It's red. But the thing to me is I like red a lot more than white and I find white less accessible, but the vast majority of people would disagree with us on okay. that. Like, so I was like interested because like, oh, you're like me. You got the, you like this. Rather. Maybe I've like, it was my incompetence and that's why I've had such a hard time because I kept trying with red. Yeah, yeah. Like I, I just don't, I've never tried white really. <laughs> okay, next time I go to Bottolo, because what I eventually solved this problem with, I went to the Bottolo uh, I bought the cheapest bottle of uh, Red Cab Sav that I could find, tried it, hey, it was all right. And I drank a bottle. I've got two two bottles here of, again, the cheapest I could find. So I'll do that for white and I'll just give it a crack. I could never get into wine, but I found my niche in the ports. 
Ports are wonderful. Yes. Yeah. Ports are wonderful. Because you introduced me to mead as well, which is like the first yeah. alcohol I actually liked. Yeah, I, I like alcohol that tastes like what I imagined alcohol to taste <laughs> like when I was a kid. Mm. Fair enough. Fair enough. I'm a beer guy. Like, I'm drinking a lot of non-alcoholic I'm beers recently because I don't give a shit about alcohol. <laughs> I found out. like I don't care that this is alcoholic. I just like how these drinks taste. And yeah, so that's, that's cool. if it's like if I find I'm trying to find more now non-alcoholic wines and non-alcoholic beers, which is getting easier and easier, and just being like, great, I get to drink this every day, and I don't fucking kill my body, mm. you know, doing it. It's great. I um, know that uh, as a kid, Dad would often uh, have like a barrel of like brewing beer in the laundry, um, and like it like glug glug away as like the yeast <laughs> is doing its thing, and that was like a very like familial memory to me. Uh, and also the smell of beer. There's a smell of beer either in the laundry brewing or uh, when we go out to the pub for dinner as a family, I would smell beer and cigarettes. Uh, I don't like beer. I don't smoke. But those smells are still They're lovely pleasant. to me. Yeah, yeah. Like, a lot of... Like, I don't like casinos, but I like the look of casinos. So sometimes yeah. I like going into casinos. I mean, I don't like gambling, but I like the atmosphere of a casino. So mm. sometimes I'll go into a casino just for the sake of the atmosphere of it. Just, oh, yeah. just, just yeah. bathe in it. Yeah. I right. um, I still don't really like beer, but I don't hate it as much as I used to. Mm-hmm. Except like, I, can, I can drink it now and I'll be like, okay, I don't like this, but I can drink it. It took me years to get into beer properly. The thing with beer that really got me into it is when I started eating American barbecue. As soon as I started eating and loving things that paired well with beer, I okay. loved beer. Like, and I started with wine because my mom cooks heaps of Italian. Mm. And yep. so red wine pairs with that. And at the end of the day, I think if you just drink alcohol on its own, then yeah, I can see how that's a hard thing to get into. But if you pair it with whatever you're eating, you can kind of start to appreciate it a bit more, in my opinion. Okay, no, so I just remembered actually the moment of me deciding to get into wine and try it myself. It was, I was making a spaghetti bolognese yeah. and I know that you're supposed to put like bits of red wine and I never do because I never have red wine around because I never drink it. And I know you can buy cooking wine, but that's just an expensive version of garbage. Uh, and so I thought, fuck it, I'll just go and buy a cheap red and I splashed it in and I made a good spag bog. Um, and then I was like, well, I've got this bottle of wine. Let's give it a shot. And then I did. Yeah, wonderful. Yeah. So... I need to see what pairs with port. Uh, ooh, I don't know. I think mostly desserts. Oh, that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> so I can, which yeah, I can can might be one of the reasons why you like it so much. Um, yeah. Port is an after-dinner drink. You're meant yeah. to drink it after you've eaten everything else. But we can double-check that. Do you have any big questions for me, Claire? We're about a half an hour. No, I'm, I'm pretty keen for this because it's, um, for one thing, it's food. Yeah, and yeah. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty big on food, if you haven't noticed. And um, but it's also history and culture, and that's something I'm really into. I'm really, I really love learning things I didn't originally know about why the world is the way it is. Yeah, that's, that's always a cool thing. Yeah, I I love that. So I'm think I'm probably cool. going to enjoy this. Good. That to sum up something real quick, there is to me nothing more inherently un- entertaining and fascinating than listening to someone who is really passionate about something talk about it. It is literally the concept of this podcast mm-hmm. at the end of the day. Um, and the, this has that in spades. Mm. As much as David can sometimes be a bit of a jerk, you can see how much he cares, mm-hmm. like how much passion he has around this stuff. And everyone he speaks to, 
even though they're the most pretentious bastards in the world who serve like $50 pizza, they care so much about it. And you can tell it's not just like a cynical, like I can charge 50 bucks for this. So I'll just get 50 bucks for it. They care so much about what they're making all the time. They like live and breathe it every single day. Right. So passionate about it. And I love that. That's wonderful. Um, So what are we watching? (sighs) Season one is longer than I remember it being. It's Mm -hmm. eight episodes and they're almost an hour long. Um, 40 minutes to an hour long, which is a big commitment. I'd be um, willing to do it. I like yeah. food. What I'm going to say is, if you can watch the whole of season one, please do. If you stop at six, I am happy to accept that. Yep, that sounds Does that right. sound fair? Yep, okay. So if you get to six and you are hating this, you don't need to watch the last two. Mm-hmm. But if you are having fun with it, please watch all eight. I will be. Um, and we can go from there. So you can find this on Netflix. So if you have Netflix, you go ahead and get that and it's all there. It's all good and well and good. And so nice and accessible for everybody and we can just go from there. Yep. Awesome. Let's, let's, let's check it out. Let's rock. You. Ah, we're yeah. back. We're back for forever now. We have to podcast forever. Yep. We're locked podcast doors, forever? Yes. The doors have been locked and barred. We don't leave here until we are done. They have. You have bars on your windows. Yep. And... A lot of sunlight. We are being baked alive. We are being baked alive. We're in the middle of the worst heat wave perfers I think ever had. Since the last one a week ago. Yes. <laughs> it stopped for this round night. two. Wonderful. Uh, all right. So, ugly, delicious. Initial thoughts from you two. It was good. It was educational. Um, David Chang is, he is what he is. A colossal uh, asshole. <laughs> like a lot of the show was starting to drag for a bit, but it was more of an educational thing than an entertaining thing uh, to me, I think. It's too long. Yeah. I will agree with that. Um, I was feeling that a little bit myself. What about you, Claire? You know that meme where it's like, is a Pop-Tart a burrito? Yeah. I feel like that show was basically a very deep examination of is a Pop-Tart a burrito <laughs> kind of. Yeah, except more pretentious. Yeah, I'm a little and annoyed insufferable. That it, like that's a good way of saying it because I feel like it wasn't it was that question, but instead of delving deep and uh, teasing out a whole bunch of stuff about it, it did a bit of that, but most of it was just repeating the question. And yeah. everybody going, "Yeah, who cares?" <laughs> yeah, it, it, I it wasn't what I was expecting because when I think of other documentaries they kind of i mean it might be partially because the show the first episode was like not what the first episode was clearly meant to be like they started with the pizza episode when the first episode was very clearly meant to be the um i think the home cooking episode uh why would you say that because the home cooking episode actually introduces who the hell this guy is and what ugly delicious is (laughs) and what why he's going about making this show that's quite fair to be quite honest um (laughs) And they only, yeah, they only touch on his stuff late in the season. You didn't watch the last two, right? No, I've watched it all now. You watched everything? Yeah. Because that fried chicken one was not the last one. No, I, I watched the fried chicken one last because that's the only one I couldn't access. Okay, cool. Perfect. Mm. Uh, yeah, has, has David Chang been in other TV shows or other stuff? He, he's on the cover of a million fucking time magazines, but has he been uh, in other TV shows? He has a, a new one now. Okay, um, post this. I don't think i've seen him too he's not a celebrity chef with a huge profile over here mm-hmm. i think i mean he, he and might by here he i might mean be, australia i don't know any not, celebrity yeah. chefs to be fucking fair so i wouldn't know that's true there's it did get me thinking about this 
end game being a chef that happens where like you've got like your Jamie Oliver and your Gordon Ramsay and all of that who eventually if you're successful enough as a chef you stop cooking and you just mm. start existing as a person who people know is good at cooking. Yeah, you, and you, that's kind of what you do. Yeah, you, you walk into a yeah. market, pick up something, eat, and go, mm, fucking yeah, and then you go to another. You market. do that on camera and get paid a million dollars. Yeah, you become like a patron god. Yeah, pretty much. It's um, Dionysus, <laughs> and I think I would hate that. Um, as I am personal stuff with my like site career and all, I was a manager for a year where I was just, like, helping other psychs do psych work. I'm like, I fucking hate this so much. Mm-hmm. Like, because it's not what I came in here to do. You know what I mean? And right. for me, if I was a chef, the idea of not cooking regularly would seems beyond the point for me. But also I can see why people would hate it because it's so much investment. Yeah, everything. like, because, uh, I mean, um, your, your therapy work as well as uh, cooking and... Um, a lot of it's it's a trade. It's a thing that you become better at by doing it, um, and having a more intimate understanding of it. And the further you're out of the game, the more it might change on its own, or the more you might start looking at reflections of what you're looking at rather than the real thing. So, like, if someone doesn't cook for forty years but still thinks that they're an expert, they're wrong because um, they might be out of practice. Well, they will be out of practice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah so I feel like. A lot of other documentaries I watch, they sort of, each episode starts with like a singular question kind of thing. And it's almost like an essay, you know, whereas this felt more like a kind of weird rambling kind of just bunch of conversations with these little skits in between, which I don't necessarily think was a bad thing, but it was definitely, it was a bit postmodern, I guess. It needed a little bit more focus, but also the budget this show had. Yeah, it was just like. Just visually like. Just the amount of people they fly over the fucking globe mm. to talk about fucking pizza. I would kept thinking in the back of my mind through every single episode, I was thinking, okay, uh, they're in Japan again, so they filmed this during that same yeah. trip. Like every single episode, they go to Japan, I'm pretty sure. So the back of my mind was like, okay, this was the last day, uh, like before filming this, they filmed the pizza thing. Yeah. And then after this, they filmed the, the dumplings yeah. thing. Like they've, they've done this all together and they've cut it up the magic of television to be fair most documentaries i feel do do that like i I remember watching a lot of documentaries about physics and you don't need to go anywhere to talk about physics right oh yeah just you could just stand there and talk about physics but they'll fly them to like i don't know some kind of mountains in Mm. south america so they could stand on the mountain and talk about gravity or whatever (laughs) like yeah no absolutely and i think like all the traveling was fantastic in this it was really good that they went to so many places um i think it was just in the back of my mind thinking I kept expecting mm. them to do a gag where like uh, Aziz turns up yeah. uh, in the wrong episode yeah. and he's like, hey, w- weren't we supposed to film? Oh, shit, you feel, oh, crap. And <laughs> I kind of wanted a, a gag like that to point out the out of out of order that this was being crafted for, but it, it was good. Yeah. I would not recommend this show to any vegetarians or vegans. Oh. No. <laughs> the second season in particular is egregious for that because it's all like... M- meat-based topics in particular but yeah, yeah. It's, um this show is not very um animal friendly no. i would say yeah, especially the barbecuing one. Oh, yeah God. i was like i was like watching remember watching the intro to that and i was like is this meant to be extremely off-putting because this feels extremely <laughs> off-putting yeah it's um we probably should put some kind of warning I back we, in the original did. i don't know 
If we didn't, we should, because yeah. this is a full-on show <laughs> yeah. in terms of um, just things getting eaten. An- animal butchery. Animal butchery, that's a good... That's uh, the word I was looking for, I think, in general. Uh, the crawfish one did it for me. Where it was yeah. like, stop boiling things alive. Yeah, come, uh, come on. There has to be another way of doing this, like, right? I'm not, I'm not a vegan or vegetarian myself, although I'm kind of one of those people who's like a guilty meat eater because I kind of think the vegans and vegetarians have a point. But I don't know, it's kind of funny because he, he goes into a lot about the morality of different foods. But he never touches on like... <laughs> That's how the food itself a, feels about it. That's always a big thing for chefs, I find. Like Gordon Ramsay's famous. He, not so much recently. He's turned around on it, but he used to be famously anti-vegetarian. Like mm-hmm. chefs just want, chefs just don't care. They just want the best ingredients. They don't care where it comes from or how. Mm. Um, and that's like the, see, that's a generalization. I'm sure there's heaps of chefs that do care. Well, the, but, the um, vegan ones probably. Yeah, the vegan ones. Uh, I, as someone who, I used to be mostly vegetarian, and then I found out that I have IBS and everything that sets it off is everything you need to eat a vegetarian uh, diet, which is why I moved out with my vegetarian partner and then all of a sudden felt like shit every single day for two years because oh no. we just ate vegetarian food. <laughs> and it's like, wow, your stomach can't handle any of this. So um, I would prefer, I think, to be vegetarian, even though I love meat, uh-huh. but I... I really realistically can't be if I want to not be in constant pain mm. every day. I'm <laughs> so, waiting on the yeah. uh, lab-grown meat. Yeah, that I'll, would I be want, great. I want that 3D-printed meat. Yeah. yeah. 3D-print that meat. I just yeah. don't think like, enough people will become vegetarian before that becomes mainstream to make... Like, I, I think... I, I won't get into that. I just, I just feel like... I've weighed up all the options, and I think I'll just sw- I'll just swap to the the lab grown meat when that time when the time comes. All right. Um, we'll see how we go. Yeah. <laughs> um. So, should we go? Oh, before we get into it, I guess big elephant in the room that we're probably going to be talking about um, is David himself, mm-hmm. who is insufferable in this. <laughs> like he's worse the second time around because he's okay. he's at least interesting the first time around. What he's mm-hmm. saying. Second time when you've already heard it, you just you just notice yeah how like, much I don't like him. I found him to be like fine. Yeah. He what he was he was kind of charismatic, uh, and he was bringing interesting people together. Yes, I think the problem was that they all had far more interesting things to say than he did, and he yes. also, which also wouldn't be a problem because that's why you gather interesting people together. Yes. The problem was he didn't have any interesting questions to ask them. No. It was just a constant barrage of. Oh, don't you think fine dining is trash? Yes. Um, yeah, it kind of People being like either, well, yeah, of course. Like I thought that was, that's not what I'm here to talk about. I thought that was yes. accepted. Or like, well, hey, enjoy what you want to want. I'm here to talk about pizza. Yes. I'm here to do this thing. And I do feel like that was um, the thing that I think I should point out. I don't, I've made it sound like I hate David. I don't hate David. But um, it did get a bit repetitive. And there's just, uh, it's quite clear he's had quite a lot of, just general trauma for his nationality. Mm-hmm. Like in general, being Korean has been hard for him. Yeah. Both in the, everywhere he's lived, he's been on the outs kind of thing. And I respect that. But also the amount of unresolved trauma that kind of keeps coming out where he's like, mm. this is just like Korean stuff. Why do you get to make this? And my Korean stuff, I get bullied for. It's like, mate, I get you've been through a hard time, but like, this is like the seventh time you brought this up. Mm. There, there was some bits where it looks like, like he was about to cry. Yeah, he. 
there's clearly a lot of some unresolved stuff going on um, for David throughout all of this. And I think that's kind of what gets in the way for him is he all he wants to do is find a way to address that, I think. And he just never does. Mm-hmm. Does that kind of make sense? And also he's um, I kind of got the impression he's really torn between that fine dining world and the really like lowbrow food world. He seems to be constantly trying to uh, bring the lowbrow onto a pedestal high enough to meet with the yes. fine dining. He's trying to yeah. go, hey, this peasant food is just as delicious as this other stuff. Why don't you respect it? And yeah. That's kind of his thesis throughout the most of it. I mm-hmm. guess for most of it. He just seems really torn between the two because sometimes he'll be presented with something, you know, quite lowbrow food-wise, and he'll get really stuck up about it mm-hmm. because it's not, like, fancy enough. And then there'll be times where he won't do that. And it's just, it seems rather arbitrary sometimes. And sometimes he contradicts his own points. Like that one, I think it's the barbecue one where they go to China and they find that store that sells donkey, and he's like, I'm not fucking eating donkey. Yeah, the- it's like, isn't that your whole fucking point of this show? That, you know... Out of all like, of the, like, weird, weird and wonderful meats... Uh, Maybe he's just a, a big Shrek fan. Maybe. Out of all of the weird and wonderful things that a Westerner might consider disgusting, donkey's not high up on yeah, my no, list. I would eat donkey. Like, I would understand that reaction to eating dog, Yeah, but... Yeah, dog or cat, like those would be the classic ones. Yeah. But like, fuck, I've I've had a kangaroo burger. It was pretty good. I I keep reminding myself I should have more. I should try a crocodile. It's slightly touching base back of the vegetarian thing. If you eat meat, you have no right to say you shouldn't eat any other type of meat. Is my thing. Mm-hmm. If you eat any type of meat, if you kill well, and eat any animal, there is no other animal that is better. I mean, I would or more acceptable. I mean, <laughs> like, what about a endangered animal? Mm, maybe. But Have you still. ever tried white rhino steak? Mm, it's maybe pretty not. good. But <laughs> well, like, I, I feel I, I like think if you're going to judge something with that aside, I do like, think you could uh, judge someone for more than more for eating like foie gras. However, you say it, foie gras. Foie gras, yeah. Because that, like, you, you have to like torture the animal to make it. You have to torture any animal to an extent. It's well, just how badly do you want to torture it? Like, I mean, I'd rather eat an animal that was tortured less than an animal that was tortured more. I guess what I was kind of saying is that, like, if you're saying that with the COVID situation, there's a lot of racism around, like, well, why would they eat a bat? Like, why mm. wouldn't they eat a bat? A bat is edible. Mm. Like, you know, <laughs> it's the same as anything else. It's just because it's not the same. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not what's in people's comfort zone. Yeah, like, I assume that it, I took it as more of, like, he just thinks that that's gross and he doesn't want to eat it. Uh, yeah, I didn't really get the donkey thing. Donkey, whatever. I'll, I'll give it a shot. Yeah, I, 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 probably won't, I, I probably won't like it, but I'll, all right, I'll try it. I'm just going to go with the Shrek head cannon. All right, yep. Shrek head cannon. Stay out of this one. <laughs> all right. So, but I did like his cool friends. He does have a lot of really cool interesting He's friends. He's friends with Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. I was, I, I was like, oh, it's Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. And that was a bit of a weird ending where <laughs> Jimmy Kimmel just shows up and <laughs> eats some tacos, is it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think it was tacos. Yeah. Uh it's just like, why are you here, Jimmy? <laughs> I'd rather be, like, if you could be friends with a late night host, which one would you want to be friends with? Uh, probably Seth Meyers. I would also want to be friends with Seth Meyers. Yeah, Seth Meyers pretty cool. He's really cool. Um, Eric Andre, does he count? We can let him count. All right. I, I don't know enough about Eric Andre to know who he is as a person. I know his persona, and his persona scares me in a good way. Uh, 
I don't know how much of that is him and how much of that is the act. I think a lot of it is. I know him, it's a lot of the act, but then I need to understand what what is the underneath of. Uh, I don't know. Maybe a uh, John uh, John Oliver. He seems pretty pretty alright. Yeah, he could be good. Yeah, he's not too bad. Yeah. He'll do. I think Stephen Colbert would just be constantly like either going over my head or something like that. Uh, John Oliver at least is like I can kind. Of, that seems more of himself in that pers- his stage persona. Fair enough. All right. Shall we jump into episodes? Yeah. yeah. All right. So we're starting with pizza. Mm-hmm. Good place to start, really. You can't go wrong with pizza. I need the shit out of that sushi pizza. Yeah. The Japanese. That episode. was such a funny interaction. Like every time I watch that, where he's just, he's got that Japanese guy who's trying to show him like all this cool stuff. And he's just like, when are we eating the pizza? <laughs> and like the Japanese chef is clearly like a bit taken aback by how just blunt there be. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like really counterculture in Japan. And they just don't really know how to handle the situation mm. honestly i think every time they went to japan and talked to a japanese guy or lady i can't yeah well every time <laughs> they talked to a japanese person um it was like the japanese every, every single piece of like every time there's a japanese version of a food in an episode it was always the best yeah absolutely um japan is a ridiculously good food culture it's yeah. just Ridiculous that that um that sushi pizza was nuts. And they were also often the best looking chefs. Yeah, usually, I think Japanese people age well. Mm, yeah, I'm not entirely sure why, um, but I don't know they do. I liked how they got the most New Yorker man I've seen all year for the pizza episode. Mm. Uh, like there was, I liked his quote of, uh, "Would you consider this pizza?" And he goes, "I couldn't care less what they think. I'm just I'm just making pizza, my dude." Yeah. <laughs> Who is that? The guy because it was a guy who's on. Who, it was it was a white guy who was doing the pizza restaurant. Uh, the the Bronxy Brooklyn kind of guy. Did he roll his pizzas with the wine bottle? Was that him? Yes. Yes. Okay. Cool. So he's the kind of guy who for the for people who haven't watched this, this episode does have a bit of a story in that it's that guy going on like a pizza excursion. Yeah. Pretty much to learn to get out of his box. Yeah. Sort of thing. And I I thought that was really cool. I liked yeah. it. I probably would have liked it more if that was more the common theme of. Hey, we're gonna take this person who's famously good at X, and we're gonna throw them into the world yeah. and show them other world versions of X. Yes, yeah, it was it was really good. Um, <laughs> was this the same episode where they had like the pizza, the Italian pizza authority guy? Yeah, that- he had a really weird quote <laughs> that threw me. He said, "When we were making pizza, you were still fighting Indians." Which, and, and that's I'm, a bit fucked up, and I was really. Like, what the fuck are you trying to say with that? Are you just trying to say that we've been making pizza for a long time? In which case, okay, sure. But, like, you could have phrased it differently. Like, they've been fighting Indians for a long time. And oh, in a lot of You places. could have found a metaphor which didn't reference genocide. Yeah. But, um, like, that's fine. <laughs> you could have said fighting the British. Yeah. Like, hey. I liked how there was a lot of, um, like, like the, the, the camera work for most of the for, for most of the show, it's very kind of like free and experimental. But for when, whenever they're talking to this one like pizza authority guy, he's like yes. fr- in that static frame yeah. where he sort of looks like Yeah, he, they make Big him look brother. as intimidating yeah. and like cold and fancy as possible. Yeah. You must make pizza one way and one way only. Mm. Otherwise, it's garbage. And it's just... I wrote down that... I wrote pizza Gestapo um, for him, which <laughs> is probably... 
because he really was like um, a soup Nazi, but mm. for pizza kind of thing, where he's like, this is how it will be. Sort of an aside, like wood fired uh, pizza ovens. Uh, I've never quite understood that how they function, and especially in this episode, it threw me even more. I thought that it was like you'd have a brick housing where the fire goes in, and then on top of that, you have the big ass dome, and that's where you put the pizzas. But instead, this was like one big structure where you just chuck a bunch of burning logs in the back of it, yeah. and then the pizza just sits in front of it naked on the stone floor. Yeah, that's how most look. Yeah, it don't. Doesn't like you get burning wood and shit in your pizza, and I'd be worried of taking this big shovel and just like gouging the pizza and shoving it into the fire. No, it's it just takes practice, I think. But you you don't make a huge fire; you just make it's one. Like embers and stuff. Yeah, you're. It's there. It's at the back. It's small, and the pizza oven itself is designed to do most of the heat. So it's right. meant to like it's, move the heat in such a way. Which is why it's not like cooked on one side and raw on the other. Yeah. It's the structure distributes the heat. You're also meant to rotate it. Pizza? Um, yeah. Right. So you you meant to use that big old shovel thing mm. that they use to like move it around. So mm. an experienced pizza chef who knows how to use a proper pizza oven would know how to do that pretty easy. Yeah, this like- episode made me try and think of what my best pizza experience was and what to find it. I couldn't I couldn't remember like, like I've had a lot of good pizza before, but I can't remember like a singular standout pizza experience. Can you guys? Yes. Uh it is the best pizza joint in the world. Uh, it is Bull Creek's uh, Pizza King. Uh, that is, I would agree with that. Hands down, best pizza. Like, I do want to... I don't know of any in Perth that do it. Uh, like, New York-style pizza, which is, like, foldable. That does. I haven't really found that as a thing in Australia. Domino's does it. Domino's no, does? It doesn't happen. Okay. I think um, like the, I've, Palace like, Arcade does it, I think. Okay. Oh, Palace Arcade does good pizza. Yeah. So I, I do want to, like, try that again, because it does, it does look like a fun way to eat pizza, but... Pizza King, hands down, always the best pizza. I've had it since I was a wee lad. Hands down, just the best. There's something about that. So for the non-Australians, there's a certain type of pizza we get here, pizza restaurant, which is done. It's more done like Domino's. Mm-hmm. So it's like it uses that mass production thing, but it's like better Domino's. And that's like most pizza stores in Australia mm. for the most part. Um, and Pizza King is one of those. I would agree Pizza King is really, really good, but there's a lot of nostalgia tied up in it for Oh, me. yes. Um, I, I feel like I can't think of a pizza that really stands out to me. And I think that's because pizza is at such a high level, but such a consistent level that I don't think there's anything that could be better. I've definitely had bad pizza. Oh yeah. You can have bad pizza, but I can't think of anything that stands out as the best. For, me. for a while I was a bit of a Domino's purist. I was like, I'll eat pizza as long as we're not ordering Domino's cause it's trash. I've since changed uh, my mood on that and being like, it is trash, but hey. It was weird how much David liked Domino's. He was I, like fascinated by it. I did a, yeah, uh, it was weird of it, when him going like out on deliveries and stuff yeah. um, and getting trained on that. Like it was kind of, a, it was a funny bit and everything, but I just kept thinking uh, in all of the other restaurants that he goes to, there's all the other chefs kind of working and doing their stuff and they're like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm doing a craft, I'm doing this amazing uh, food thing. I kept like, expecting the camera to like rapidly cut away after they see a teenager like spit in the food or something like that because fucking who would like to work? i assume no one would like to work at domino's i often wonder how much certain food like fast food chains differ in america than they do in australia because some i sometimes see like i like you know review bra report yeah. of the week he i was watching his um fast food like tier list and a lot of stuff i thought like in my experience had been 
was really decent. He put on like the bottom of the list yeah. and a lot of stuff that I thought was trash, he <laughs> gave reasonable scores to. So I wonder if it's just different. Domino's in is better in the States. Uh, oh, it, yeah. it is more of a like mid tier sort of thing. Um, not like it's a weird scale, but like it's not like grilled level, but it's not what we would consider Domino's level. Like it is, it is a much higher quality uh, in the States. Yeah. And I think. Like Burger King over in the States is terrible, but Hungry Jack's over here is a lot better. That said, Hungry Jack's last week gave me a burger with no bottom on the bun, um, which was so fucking insane, it blew my mind. This is more of a uh, pussy outlook. Yes, it, it was. I was like, what the fuck is going on here? I had, um, you know, with all the supply shortages later, lately, I was with some friends and we were going to get Nando's, but they had no chicken left at Nando's. So we had to, we were like, should we just get mcdonald's and i haven't had mcdonald's in like i don't know how many years at this point i was like you know maybe all the other times i've been to mcdonald's with just bad luck so many people eat mcdonald's it can't be that bad i'll get mcdonald's it's the most disgusting thing i've had in i don't know how long what do you have for mcdonald's I get the chicken burger and chips. Okay, okay that's, that's a shame problem. because i love the chicken burgers yeah, oh, the I chicken just, burgers used to be good i think they're crap now uh i'm i'm a double quarter pounder lad Oh, every single, every single time. I've always got the chicken burger, and every single time it's just been like this dried out thin piece then. of... Yeah. Huh? <laughs> Stop getting the chicken burger if you get it every time and ate it. But they, they should be able to do a decent goddamn chicken burger. It's don't. not hard. They obviously don't. <laughs> Two out of three it's, podcasters agree that chicken the chicken burger chips, Mac is a crap. The chips are revolting as well. They were like... Uh, I mean, sometimes they can fuck them up, but most of the time Mac is chips. They were like cardboard dipped in grease. Like... I just like people act as though all like you got good food and then you got fast food, but fast food is definitely on tiers, and McDonald's is on the lowest of the low tiers. Mm-hmm. I, I can. It's not my first choice, but I do have a soft spot for the chicken burgers. I don't know why. I must get different burgers to you. I I, I don't get McDonald's frequently. That's because every single time I do have a bad experience. Unless I get the apple pies. The apple pies are good. The apple pies are always good. You can't go wrong with that. Like yeah. my most consistently good fast food, although some people don't think it counts as fast food, but my most consistently good fast food experience is Subway. Yeah. I'd still class that as fast food. Yeah, it's also owned by McDonald's. Um, so. <laughs> well, I don't know what they're doing differently at Subway, but it's the chicken there is definitely a lot better. Mm. All right. I think I'm gr- Subway's growing on me. I used to hate the idea of a sandwich. There's something about bread that fucked me up as a kid. Like I, What? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's because I have this terrible memory of my parents used to do like this cheap lunch, which was just like a, a huge fucking hot dog bun with like one small hot dog in it. Oh just yeah, that's drenched in sauce. So like this, the bread would just absorb all the tomato sauce, mm-hmm. and that's like the worst combo. Yeah, and you just it was just fucking revolting. And so anything that was like in bread and wasn't like a burger or something, I'd be like, nope, not fucking doing it. But now I've grown up, so okay. I'm okay with it now. Um, what about this episode? Let me have a look. Um, oh, you got that dude who's like, oh, yeah, my dad used to keep the pizzas like in his hat and all of that, and it cuts to his dad who looks like the most Italian man in existence. <laughs> he looks like a cartoon character. I don't, I don't remember like, the dad. I... He was just, oh, God. We'll find a picture of him later, but he was... I, it was, I mean, it's in an endearing way. He looked like a real fun man to be around. He was just um, making those pizzas. In in this first episode was when I 
first wrote the notes of the host is asking a lot of leading tra- leading questions about uh, trying to get answers about like fuck tradition and all that stuff. And all of the guests in this episode were giving really nice respectful answers. Like he's like, oh, isn't this isn't pizza, right? According to you, he's like, well, pizza's pizza's whatever. Yeah, do you like it? Whatever. Like a lot more so than other episodes, or this is the first episode at least. The guests were not taking the bait. No. Uh, that David was trying to like put out yeah. and trying to provoke all of this, uh, except for the New York man. But his was more like, uh, like, hey, I like fucking pizzas how I like them. Fuck Domino's yes. and what. Yeah. But but he's not saying like these aren't pizza. He's saying that's bad pizza. My pizza good. Yes, my this is I, this is me. He's not like casting a judgment. I mean, there was a pizza with Gestapo. There was a pizza Gestapo, which yeah. is that, and that was just and that was almost shown cartoonishly as. Uh, yes. Uh, like a villain of the piece, pretty much. I don't know why that guy agreed to be in it. I like. I, I thought that they um actually showed a pretty broad range of people in terms of opinions. Like they had the heretic. I think. I think I wrote down. Um, Judas. I, I I resonated with the f- philosophy of the heretic as usual. Yes. Okay. <laughs> That's right. So the the heretic is a dude who used to be part of this Italian. You have to do pizza this way group, and then broke off and did it a different way, and now he's been blacklisted. Mm. <laughs> um, which is very this show in general to be blacklisted for for just it's not even that different a pizza. Mm. He's just instead of like solid ingredients, he turns them into like a concentrate, and that's the only difference he makes. And like. It's it's like insane I was how noticing. differently everyone treats it. Was he the same guy? Who was the guy who had like I think it was Italian and he had the um, the tables with the portholes to the kitchen? Yeah, in that, was that was that him. was cool. I thought that was the heretic guy. I, I'm not sure. There was like a couple of heretics. I think there's a lot of heretics in this episode. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I yeah. saw that there was a bit where like they were just squirting oil onto pizzas. Olive oil, yeah. I, that blew my mind. You meant to have that for the margarita, a traditional one. Okay, that like oil to me isn't something that you'd add to a dish. It's something that like is a byproduct that goes into a dish, and you often try to remove. Uh, deliberately, just adding it on mass like that felt weird to me. It's Haven't you had like bread dipped in olive oil kind of thing? I don't like it. Oh what? Like I like the bread, and I'm like I don't want the oil. over here. We don't have good olive oil. Oh, okay. I've, I mean, I've definitely had some. Mm. Probably if if that counted as pizza, that would probably be my best pizza experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I guess olive oil, if really. They're probably using like proper olive oil, not like Coles olive oil, which is not really great olive oil in general. Um, But it's once again, it's a matter of taste. I can see why you wouldn't like it. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, it wasn't so much. I probably had pizzas which have done that to them and I thought that they were good. Uh, I just didn't know that it was something so explicitly added in that way. It it, it was more of a um, uh, seeing how the sausage gets made moments for me really than being actually discussed with what the end result would be sure you know like i know we were talking about how it's weird he was obsessed with dominoes i i'll eat dominoes i'm not i'm not as taken with it as i used to be and i do think like getting pizza from like a, a like a place that isn't a fast food chain is normally better quality but every time they were like trying to figure out like what the best pizza was all i could think was like well, they haven't innovated like Domino's has and did the cheesy crust and the cheesy, no. like, but it's just like... That is quite true. Like, the fast food, what they may lack sometimes in quality, they make up for an innovation. Yes, that's quite true. I would like to see more of that. To go back to your pizza question, to be honest, I think the pizza that always sticks out in my mind as my ideal pizza is a Domino's 
double bacon cheeseburger pizza. Um, it's like that. it's like a meat lovers on steroids. Okay. Uh, with bacon, it has a barbecue base, and it has a hickory barbecue swirl and a mayonnaise swirl over the top of it, and it is fucking just absolute decadence. Um, but it sticks in my mind. It's trash. <laughs> it's absolute garbage. Now that I think about it, Crust did some good pizzas, like the square pizzas with the... Yeah, Crust is very good. I never go to Crust. It's so expensive for, like, a chain. Mm. Yeah. Like, I don't go to Crust because it's often just not nearby and it's not as convenient as Domino's. That's quite true. I don't know how accessible this conversation is to our (laughs) wider audience, but who cares? When I think about it, like, I I want a pizza with good ingredients, obviously. Mm -hmm. Like, I think think that's what really should define... Mm. Oh, I don't know if I like the t- I don't really like the term highbrow and lowbrow, but like what should distinguish good food from bad food is like good ingredients, is like the bread fresh and stuff like that. But in ter- like putting that point aside, I think what excites me most about pizza is like new ideas, new kind of innovations to pizza. That being said, at the same time, you can't beat a pepperoni pie. No, that's always good. Uh, I've got one last thing to mention before I'm happy to move on from mm-hmm. this episode. Oh, two things. Firstly, when they visit that fucking buffalo mozzarella farm, that's been in like five different documentaries and every fucking time they go to that same fucking buffalo farm and I'm so sick of <laughs> seeing that fucking farm. Like, yeah, we get it. It's the mozzarella farm, whatever. Like, Clearly they like being in documentaries. Clearly they do. Uh, but also when <laughs> there's a guy who shows up throughout the series and he's always, he seems like a hot mess of a man. But in this one, he goes to a pizza convention on acid and it's just him like dancing and fucking around with oh, that, that, all these people. That guy and it's that just was, pure chaos. I'm like, why isn't the whole show like this? I was really impressed by that guy who's like juggling the pizza dough. Yeah. That, that was sick. I would go to the convention just to see that. That vending machine that made pizza. I would, I would go to that convention. I would enjoy that. Yeah. All right. Is there anything anyone wants to cover on pizza? No, I'll, that was pretty much everything. I, I, for some reason, I wrote a note down in my notes. I don't know why, but I wrote a note down that said, pizza from The Sims always looked delicious. Fair. Yeah. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, agreed. Yeah. Pizza Second. from The Sims, always good. Mm-hmm. So well, next, what was episode two? I didn't... Tacos. Okay, because I wrote every other one. I wrote the episode title. This one, I just wrote episode two. So I'm like, Attack of the Clones. Yes, it is. So it was tacos. Right. Um... This one was where the dreaded, this is just like this Korean thing really started <laughs> up. And it's just like, not everything is like the Korean thing, David. Like, it it reminds out. me of, I think there's uh, Chekhov's bit in the original Star Trek. <laughs> his whole, one of his bits all the time would be like, ah, oh, X was actually invented by Russians. Uh, no, I think it's Chekhov and it's the Russian guy from The Man From Uncle. Like, I think it's maybe it's just like a common Russian joke. I've heard... Everything was actually made by Russians. In fact, did you know? Yes. I've heard that um, Serbians are um, infamous for this, but um, a, a Croatian told me, so I don't know if you <laughs> say anything that um, anything about Serbians said I, by a Croatian. I don't, honestly, I didn't mind Dave too much doing this because uh, it, it was interesting as a reference point and uh, something I did take away from the series as a whole of is how similar foods actually are in construction and method. Uh, And I did appreciate that of going, oh, this is equal to that. This is equal to that. And I I did like that. Yeah. Like, uh, it felt at one point they're like, wow. So they're trying to, I I don't know, they were trying to explore why are tacos so good? And I'm like, 
the same reason pizza's so good. It's because it's dough, meat, cheese, and sauce. You put those things it's together. It's fat and carbs. Yeah. Fat, protein, and carbs. It's, like, it's no mystery. It's like the Marvel movie formula of food. Yes. <laughs> it's real good. Um, my notes don't make any sense for this episode. <laughs> so you two are going to have to carry me through it. Uh, I There was a quote that I wrote down. Of, Go to places where you don't know what that word is on the menu, which is the exact opposite of my personal food <laughs> philosophy. Uh, I, I'm bad at ordering at any kind of Asian restaurant, be it like Malaysian, Thai, Chinese, Japanese, uh, because the amount of the menu, I just, on the one hand, don't know what it is. And then even if I do, like, on the one hand, just not actually be able to read the menus and understand what they're trying to describe. But then when I know what they're trying to describe, not knowing how that would go together or what it would be like. Like, is this meant to be enjoyed as a soup? Is is more broth with noodles good? Is this supposed to be that spicy? Is that the yes. better part of it? Uh, is this supposed to be this chewy? Like, that's the thing that always worries me uh, and why I'm not very good at ordering uh, from restaurants that I don't know the stuff of. Fair enough. We should take Goldie to La Pack sometime. Oh, I reckon you'd like that. Oh. <laughs> we'll talk about it later. But um, anyway, let's... So, yeah, they're going around and they're kind of just hitting taco joint after taco mm. joint for this. Like, they're all just in a car, fucking eating tacos, which is my kind of night. So, the other thing they mentioned, more than your usual choices of salsa, make sure it's spicy, that kind of stuff. Uh, I like I that they said how tacos can contain history, like rings of a tree, yeah. uh, that there was that much history that kind of went into it, like the yeah. the type of crust in it, the type of ingredients. Uh, they can like kind of trace so much of it down. It's such a uh, immigrant food. Yeah, they re- it really surprised me when they said that tacos are 7,000 years old, Aztec level old. So, yeah. Yeah. Have you ever had a sushi taco? Isn't that just like an onigiri or something like that? No, it's like um, it's like a taco, but it, instead of having, is it like rice? It's got rice, but it's also uh, I can't remember. <laughs> it's good though. <laughs> good story. Yeah. Uh, so, um, <laughs> so it yeah, I'm just picturing like a sushi roll, but it's like open. That's and you just hold it like with the with the seaweed on the outside. I'm picturing like a hard shell taco <laughs> with just like rice and fish and I'm shit picture, inside. I thought of it. a picture one. All right, sure. Um, I like I like seeing one of those big meat spits being made raw. I've never actually seen that. I don't like. I've seen them when I go to get a kebab, and they're like mm. these shaving bits of meat off yes. it, and it's rotating and getting basted and cooked and shit. And I was always like, so how does this cylinder of meat come into existence? This isn't one part of a cow or any beast that I know. And so seeing them like throw the slabs of meat onto it to build it up, uh, I was like, oh, okay, that's where that comes from. Yeah, guys are showing me a sushi taco. Yeah, that's pretty much what I imagined. Uh, Fucking sick, man. Google sushi taco if you're at home. Otherwise, don't. I don't know. Mm. I'm not your dad. <laughs> like, the, um, so. uh, the thing that I, main thing I took away from this episode was just the beautiful Mexican and Caribbean locations. Yes. Yep. I would love to go to Mexico if it wasn't so, I guess, in places it could be quite a full on holiday. Very mm. dangerous. So, I, yeah, that's kind of the big thing. I don't want to, like, get caught up. In anything. Yeah. That said, I've been to Thailand. That's pretty dangerous in places. So mm-hmm. uh, it's very much from from what I've heard from Mexican people. It very much depends on the location you go to in yeah. Mexico. I guess I would need to do my research, but I would like to go. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I, I that just I, I was I wasn't even looking at the food porn in this episode. I was just looking at the the location the porn. location porn that 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 career. 
that Caribbean Ocean is just. It does look gosh. gorgeous. It's <laughs> but, very, very gorgeous. But the other thing that stood out for me was just all these fruits I'd never heard of. Yeah. Uh, another good quote I liked from this one was, a taco is a portable vessel of love. <laughs> True. That yeah. sounds dirty. It, it is, and I love it. <laughs> well, there's slang. Uh, yeah, speaking of the fruit, there's that scene in that market where that woman just rips that fruit open, and that was like, oh, my God, that was <laughs> pornographic. That looked like that was incredible. I don't know what it was, but, like, she just rips it open, and it looks like it's made out of, like, custard. Mm. I, I, got, I get the feeling that other countries have way better fruit than we do. Oh, yeah, tropical countries have huge amounts. Yeah. You go to, like, even just, like, Thailand or something, you just the fruit market's, like, twice the variety mm. of everything. We just don't grow it here because we can't. I was watching this YouTube video about like default lolly flavors in um Okay. I, I should probably say candy for the case. Anyway. Um and how in the West a lot of our default flavors are citrus, but in a lot of other countries it's things like mango and all these other kind of from our perspective exotic fruits and it just made me really angry that I had to be as a person who doesn't like citrus had to be born in like one mm. of the few cultures that like that has, makes everything citrus well like Australia also has a ton of citrus soft drinks yeah uh, I remember America doesn't have virtually any lemonade is as close to get as close as they get and I remember my first time to America um, as like a teenager and it was all a great experience and everything but it was exhausting uh, and I remember getting onto the Qantas flight home and they were serving like solo on the menu. And I was like, ah, oh, finally. <laughs> Wonderful. Sweet, um, sweet home. Sweet, sweet solo. <laughs> Fanta. Um, I do like how the story arc of this episode is, let's go to Mexico and make the most pretentious white-ass restaurant we possibly can. <laughs> like, I do I do respect that they spend a lot of time gathering in like the info to make it reasonably authentic and that kind of stuff. And they employed Mexican people, which is nice. But it was a little bit of like... A uh, at the end, does she make that like absolutely black crab? And I was yeah. just like, I ain't eating that. No. <laughs> it looked like it was made out of stone. Eat the crab, man. The uh, stone crab. I like I like social crab, but not if it's... Looks like a rock. <laughs> the rock says. <laughs> All right. Um, I, I wrote a chunk here about, and then we kind of touched on this already, but something that came up in this episode of, uh, I, I, a lot of the time they imply that high dining is for snobs and is elitist. It um, is, though. But then the counter to that is it's nice to be respected and to be elevated yes. to fine dining, and if something is, does that make it, uh, does it actually help the cuisine? And I was reflecting on uh, during the early 2000s, especially with video games, and there was a huge thing to do with video games not being respected as an art form, uh, being viewed as not only just for kids, but also crass, like at the same time being crass, violent, and sexy to a thing that kids shouldn't be seeing anyway. So not only were all video games childish, they were also not fit for even children. Mm -hmm. And the solution that a lot of people and me as a kid was looking to was, oh man, this video game is so cool, I wish they could make a movie out of this. And so everyone was waiting for... Uh, for John Halo to hit the big screen for, for all of these, like for a Call of Duty, for a Mario, for finally for, because there'd been terrible video game movies up until that point, to the idea of if my art form can breach and be really good in this other art form, then it will be respected and it will finally be proper. And I'm so glad that it, we've come to a point, with video games at least, 
that's no longer thought about really at all. Like there are good video game movies being made, but no one really says video games aren't good because they don't make good movies. The same things happened with uh, comic books as well. Yeah, 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 exactly. Was this the episode where they had the guy, I'm not sure if it was this episode, that the Mexican guy who kept getting deported from America yeah. and eventually he just <laughs> he just made, made it big in Mexico? Yeah, wily yeah. motherfucker, just twice. Hell yeah. That, that felt great. like, uh, it's weird, but my, my, my immediate thought after watching it was that that sounds like a plot of a, Pixar movie, like an adult, pl- like like a Pixar movies. The cat, the characters want something, but at the end they don't get what they want, but they get something else that they didn't know they wanted. I'd love a Pixar <laughs> movie where the villain is the United States immigra- immigration department. That'd be great. <laughs> that would be full on. There's a lot of touching around the immigration stuff in this one, mm-hmm. uh, which is this is the first episode where they really bring the politics in. Yeah, I think a bit more, which is it's good. It's informative as well. Like I do like their whole bit where they're like, you know. We these these famous white supremacists took some selfies of them eating burritos. It's like, where the fuck did you think that came from? <laughs> yeah, you idiots. That was good. Like, like you know, the restaurant owner was like, yeah, that's my victory. That's- yeah, that's my victory. You fuckers like burritos, <laughs> pieces of shit. Like, you know? I feel like one of the main points of this show was that it was it was as much about culture and multiculturalism as it was about food. Yeah. and I think a very good point is that what better. Well, <laughs> what better argument is there for multiculturalism than food? Yes, <laughs> quite true. Um, I, I guess it... I, um, because it's hard to argue from multicultural... Well, unless you're a Viking, it's hard to argue from multiculturalism from, say, a point of religion because um, unless you're in one of those religions where you just collect everyone else's gods, um, you can't really... Uh, you, you can't really um, if you're if if you're um, like a monotheist, having someone introduce their their other religion into your um, country isn't really doing anything for you. Oh, maybe it is, but from what I viewed for most of them, um, I'm a little lost they, on your point. Oh, okay, so <laughs> like. If you've got one religion and it's just like sort of a static religion, you don't have anything seeming to gain from people from another religion coming over. You can't like join their religion or they can't join yours without mm-hmm. you kind of like pushing against each other. Yeah, it's like, a, a I, competition. I am, yeah, I you're am, in competition. It's a zero-sum game. Everyone should be my religion. Yeah, yes. but whereas with food, unless you're the kind of person who feels like they must eat the same thing every day, there's everyone wins from people bringing their food over kind of mm-hmm. thing. And so I think I think like in terms of cultural output, food is like the best example of something that it's not a zero sum game. The Every, more you share, the the better it becomes. The better it becomes for everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a good point. Very good point. Does anyone have anything around tacos they want to cover? Because we should. No, not really. I'm pace. I'm happy to cool. keep skipping through. My notes get shorter yes. for each episode. Sure. We've got home cooking. Um, My first note says doggy. Doggy. So this one centers, the story for this one is David is um, going home for Thanksgiving and making a ridiculous amount of food for what looks like five people mm. at the end of it. Um, and he spends most of this with his mum, who had cancer like three times. Mm-hmm. And it's full on. It's really hardcore. Uh, this is probably the most vulnerable we see Dave for most of the series. Mm. Uh, and it's, yeah, I really like this one because I think there's a certain, like, 
home cooking can be just as good as anything else. Yeah, yeah. I, the yeah, this episode was very emotional for me as well, and just it was it was lovely. I liked the the talk of his history, um, and I liked the concept of. You grow up and you try to escape from what you were born into because you're, oh, that's lame for whatever of a million reasons. And you go to explore and then eventually come full circle back to where you were with these kind of enlightened eyes. Um, I know that I've done that with a lot of like my family's history and culture of as a kid being like, I don't give a shit. This is default. Yeah. Of course, this is boring. And then I uh, go off to explore other stuff. And now that, uh, now that I'm older, I can appreciate a lot more about my family and their story and how unique it is. Now that I live out of home, I appreciate home, my parent, my mother's home cooked food so much more. Yes. Like, even if it wasn't like, my mom hated, always, has always hated cooking. She doesn't cook at all now. She orders Red Rooster almost every night. I'm trying to get mm. stop it. But um, like, I'd always get like, um, you know, like a, some kind of meat, like a salmon or a pork chop or something and then I get some potatoes and a bit of green vegetables on the side mm. I was forced to eat and I was like I, mean, I didn't hate it but I wasn't excited by it or anything mm-hmm. and now that I live out of home and I realize how hard it is to put together one of those foods when I always have to worry about like cleaning up and um shopping and w- working full-time like I just I just really want to be able to if I if I manage to put together a food like a, a a meal with um all of that i feel really proud of myself whereas when i was a kid that was just or a teen that was just what i had i expected default. every night yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, david's a bit of an asshole to his mum at times i don't know if that's <laughs> just like a banter thing or if i'm misreading that there are times where he's like i wish i could just yell at my mom about like kitchen stuff but i can't cuz <laughs> she's my mom it's just like come on man like this yeah, it's. A, I, don't know, it's a, I imagine that's the way most chefs feel about people they can't yell at. Yeah, I guess when they're so. so used to yelling at people. Chefs are like full on. There's a lot of toxicity in the chef industry. It's just it's chef like industry. Chef industry. Are you going to say, Goldie? Uh, no, no. I just I've realized in my notes I was about to start talking about the next episode. I just didn't sort of them properly. Yeah, all of the stuff I have for the home cooking episode was just yeah. It was it was a. I love a little piece of um, how it all came together. And I liked him describing, and he brought up the first theme of uh, the food that I brought to school was gross to my friends and uh, ostracized me for it. And so he didn't appreciate it. And then later on, he's like, holy shit, this is great. This is really good. This is daddy idiots. Mm. Speaking of like home cooking, I just want to bring up something that I feel very strongly is that, Butter chicken in restaurants is gross. Yeah. <laughs> but butter Absolutely. chicken when you make it at home is like the best thing in the world. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> what about the IGA butter chicken? I don't know if I've tried that one. I think it's pretty good. Okay. Um, it, I have listed it as the sponsor for my uh, RPGs. You know, like in anime, they'll yes. have like a grand sponsor of the episodes yes. using McDonald's. I just have a picture of IGA butter chicken. Yes. Like this episode was brought to you by... But, but you had that butter chicken when you came over for New Year's, right? That my roommate made. Uh, yeah, that was lovely. That yeah. was that is the best butter chicken I've ever had yes. in my life. And my mum made a really good butter chicken when I, that's the one thing one of the one things yes. she cooked when I was at home, and as, that was amazing. As an Anglo Indian, who my family makes amazing curries, going out to an Indian restaurant and paying twenty five dollars for a curry that is half as good as anything my family makes at home is frankly insulting. I don't eat Indian out. Whenever everyone's like, let's go to an Indian restaurant, I'm like, why? 
Why do you want to spend so much money on this fucking garbage? It's ridiculous. Like it doesn't taste anywhere near like it should. Uh-huh. Did I did I tell the story about the um, uh, Indian food truck in the last time in our last recording session? I don't, don't remember. remember. If okay. you did, we will cut it out. Because okay. I, I just listened through to the knife, which just came out, and I realized we tell the same yeah, story three or four <laughs> times in that. And I would have, we would have cut it out, but that would have been most of the episodes. <laughs> anyway, so back when I was at university, there's a lot of food trucks, which was great. It was a pretty good university experience in retrospect. Um, and one of them were you, these you went guys. To UW? Yeah. Right, yeah. I went to Curtin, which was better. But anyway, go ahead. Anyway, um, <laughs> there was this one food truck and they were called Toast My Curry. And um, they had the best, they had the best um, tagline any, gr- any group of in- immigrants could have ever come up with. Their tagline was, get some India. That's so, like that. That's so, a, you, you didn't tell that, so that's a good one. Yeah, yeah. As it was so, it's I, so Australian, but it's also about India at the same yes, time. That's I like, think I uh, had that when they were in uh, Yegan Square. Yeah. yeah, so it's like it's like multiculturalism reached its pinnacle with that that, that lot, crude joke. That joke. <laughs> anyway, that's um, it. Pack it up, everyone. <laughs> we're done with multiculturalism. We've we've hit the best of it. But they were this just sta- they were just starting out when they were at this um, at UWA, and um, so they were making they were making curry toasties. So it's basically just a toasty, but with curry in it, so like cheese. Mm-hmm. And I was, and they were asking me to give them feedback. I was like, oh yeah, this is really good. And they were and they were giving me like extra stuff because they were being really nice, and also because they're trying to like you know hawk their um, entrepreneurial. Hawk their, hawk their wares. Yeah. Yes. And um, I was like, but you know what? Um, I feel like you should have a, a butter chicken option. And they're like, oh, butter chicken, that's, that's not Indian. We don't do that here, no. Because <laughs> they don't. That's why it's shit in restaurants. But then I went, it's but then I, I met them again years later when they'd set up like a proper store and they had and they had a butter chicken option. I was like, oh, so you, you did the butter chicken thing. And they're like, yeah, but this is this is our take on butter chicken. Mm. <laughs> They caved. <laughs> they caved, those fools. Um, well, when they finish eating their Thanksgiving meal, there's a whole untouched turkey. <laughs> like, literally like an entire bird still. And they're like packing it away as leftovers. I'm like, well, why did you bother cooking the fucking turkey? <laughs> Clearly no one wants to eat the turkey. It's like, uh, yeah. I, uh, was, I was very enchanted with that Danish house in... Um, where they were having that dinner in Copenhagen. I was like, oh, yeah. this is like the idyllic kind of, this is the the absolute stereotype of the, or, the idyllic like Scandinavian lifestyle. The idyllic Scandinavian lifestyle is pretty idyllic. Yeah. Like, there's, I struggle to find fault. Yeah. They are beautiful people, beautiful land, beautiful houses. And I, I was wondering, why does this show keep going to Copenhagen when I think of... When I think of food, I don't really think of Scandinavia. Like, oh, yeah, I think of, like, if I think of food as Scandinavia, I think of, like, Ikea meatballs kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I looked up the guy that he was visiting, and the guy the guy that... Um, the Noma guy. The Noma guy. Noma yeah. is the, apparently the number one restaurant in the entire world, it is, and yeah. it's in Copenhagen. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, that That's explains why. it. Yeah, that, the Noma guy really looked like he had 
the weight of expectation on his shoulders the whole time. Like yeah. he, he struck me as a dude who was like, I have the best restaurant in the world and I have no idea how I got help. it. <laughs> yes, help, pretty much. Um, but he, he seems sweet. Uh, mm. So, yeah. Copen, there's a lot of nice food in unexpected places. Controversial opinion. I would consider Perth one of the world's top food cities. Well, you know what? Um... I was talking to a when I was back in uni, one of the um, people that had come from um, Hong Kong, and she really liked bubble tea. And she was, but she was like, "You have so many bubble tea flavors in Perth." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What? Do, wouldn't you have more bubble tea flavors where you come from?" She's like, "No, you got you got like a shit ton here." Yeah, because <laughs> they're probably it's probably just that kind of cultural traditional stuff that like you do. This not like traditional as in like it has to be like this, like that pizza Gestapo yeah. guy. But it's just what they're used to. It's an institution mm. and they're just used to their stuff where you bring it over here and we're just like, you could do all of this with this because it's a brand new idea to us so we can add to it, I guess. Yeah. And that's a message that comes through in the show quite a lot. I- that when, it go, when a food goes somewhere, it changes in ways that the original culture wouldn't have thought of. I do wonder if we are one of the most bubble tea obsessed cities in the world. Possibly. I've gotten that impression. Bubble tea just kind of yeah. popped up out of nowhere. People started drinking like, all right, sure, whatever. Like, I'm not that jazzed about it. I drink like the chocolate slushy that one of them makes, not actual bubble tea. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, it's all right. I, I was almost late because I couldn't I, – I was almost late to this because I really wanted to get a bubble tea before I got, came here, but I <laughs> – I managed to resist because I was already late. You're but, in your bubble tea. Yeah. Uh, but I like you walk down a street in Perth and within 20 metres, there'll be three bubble there'll tea. There'll be a lot of mm. bubble tea places. But uh, by the way, this one last thing. This finished on a really nice montage, that episode. Mm-hmm. Of just all it? the home. It was just all home cooking. Just people cooking for their families. It was very yeah. nice, to be honest. Yeah, it was, it was it really was just, sweet. Yeah. I was surprised to hear that like anything shellfish related was now considered lower class. Because... Here. Over here, it's high upper class, but over there, it's not. Mm. Yeah. Over first, there, it's... My first note is, yeah. man, shellfish, shellfish look gross. Oh, this is the episode with um, with Jimmy Kimmel. Oh, the V occasion <laughs> crawfish. Yeah. All right, cool. Yeah. That was All the right. main thing I remember about this episode. Just Jimmy. Jimmy Kimmel showing up. But the main stuff I took away from this was all the race relations stuff. Mm-hmm. And there was one other thing. I think it was this episode. And it goes back to that point before where if you take a food out of its original culture and put it somewhere else, it gets to evolve in a way that mm. it wouldn't normally. Because mm-hmm. you have that woman who grew up in Vietnam cooking, went to America oh, and no, learned sorry, how to cook the there. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> went to America and learned how to, and adjusted her cuisine to the American style and then brought it back to Vietnam where it changed yet again mm. to something yeah. that Vietnam had never had. Yeah, and they even talk yeah. about like, what if you do this again? Yeah. Like, how, how many, many times, times do you photocopy can this you do cuisine this? to get something new? It's like copying a JPEG till it gets crunchier, but yeah. like better. It's the opposite. Well, that's, that's it just gets what, better. It's called evolution. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. Uh, okay. So something that just stuck in my head from this episode was that one woman with the big hair who was eating that crayfish and she just had it all over her hands and her mouth and her hair was just, she had this huge hair and it wasn't tied back. And I just I got such anxiety from it because I was waiting for her hair to go into this big bowl of crayfish. I just was screaming at her to tie her hair back. I didn't notice that at all. <laughs> but that's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I, 
that, that was what stuck in my yes. head. Anyway. I um, like the, there was a, uh, yeah, the Viet Cajun restaurant. Um, I think it was when David goes into him and like starts like, he try, he does his normal like get up in their business of like, <laughs> oh man, this isn't uh, like, why don't this you- This isn't this, why don't you do it like this? Uh, it, yeah, he was being like, you're <laughs> doing this so authentically, why don't you add your own flavor and shit to that? And then like he notices that they're cooking yes. like their own shit in the back yeah. or just for like for themselves. Um, and he's like, no, why don't you dip that? And for the first time in the series yeah. up until this point, the chefs start giving it as good as they get. They're like, no, fuck you. It's bad. Like that would be bad. Like we uh, previously, a lot of the chefs would be like, I mean, sure, whatever. Like that'll be fine. You I'm do, not going to fight you. Cause they're all his friends and yeah. they know not to argue with him at this point is my theory. Oh, okay. All of his friends know because David, there's he's got his Korean artist friend who was sick, by the way. I love yeah, that he guy. Um, and he, they, you can clearly see, I think it's the fried chicken episode. They've had a fight in like yeah, the hotel room. And he's like bitching about David. And he's like, he thinks he's always right. And he's n- almost never fucking right. And he'll mm-hmm. pick a fight about anything. And I think that's true. And I think everyone who knows him well knows not to take the bait. Because right. they know it's not going to go anywhere. These guys don't know him for anyone. Oh, and so they're going to throw it back. Yeah, like yeah. I really appreciate because uh, it didn't seem to come to a conclusion. But I did appreciate that the the chefs were like, no, fuck you. Yeah. Um, and like they held their own. They held yeah. their ground. And he finally got that fight that he was been looking for. Yeah. And it was finally arrested. And it was like, no, tradition is good. Uh, that, there's a reason why. And I just liked to hear an opposing argument yeah. rather than just seeing him sail out yeah. and everyone be like, all right, whatever. Oh, I, wrote, I wrote in my notes that I feel like Perth would rank pretty well as a food city. Yeah, well, there yeah. you go. <laughs> We look at that. Two out of three of the Perth-based podcasters agree. Yep, and uh, that means that we win. Yes, that's, so, this is the council where we decide. This is the council. Oh, that bit where they get the Vietcajun crawfish and like the main ingredient is garlic butter, and then he just pours like three ladles of garlic butter and I'm like fuck it out, fuck me up. I would eat that like yeah, for that, days. I swear we don't have this in Perth though, because no, I've don't. never seen this. anything like that. I've never. This is definitely for me personally the most alien food mm. presented in terms of like i don't we don't get this very much yeah i remember i remember um, when watching star trek deep space nine uh cisco would always talk about his what was it called uh, beets no uh, he's like it's like this stew thing uh, jambalaya or jambalaya. jambalaya yeah jambalaya i was always like what the fuck is jambalaya yeah there was a lot yeah there was a lot of that in ds9 uh, um not really being aware of Southern American or yeah. uh, black yeah. culture, well, Southern United States. Uh, uh, a lot, like, I did pick up, but of a fear that I probably would have had is being, is he talking about some alien thing or is he talking about some real world dish and, like, am I going to be super fucked up for thinking <laughs> it's, like, a weird, dumb alien piece of shit? <laughs> yeah, I think the the thing for us uh, from Australian context is this isn't just Southern American like not South American, but like American South food, which is not something we still don't get huge, huge amounts. We get barbecue, but that's a bit different to what Mm -hmm. they're talking about. But it's a subculture within that of Mm -hmm. like the Viet Cajuns. So like the Vietnamese living in the South eating like altered version of soul food. And that's so far removed from (laughs) any kind of Perth experience that we just don't have it. So if you're a chef, thinking of moving to Perth, you have a niche. Yes. Yeah, and we're wide open. A niche. Really. I love how David 
just couldn't seem to get over the fact that they were boiling it. Like, why would you boil it? Why wouldn't you just steam it? Because it's not cooked that way. Mm. Like, it clearly, it's fine. Like, there's a better way to cook it. Is it better? Is it really better? Yeah, <laughs> like, like, I, just, I just really appreciated the fight. Yeah. Finally, someone. Someone gets him back. I was thinking about Forrest Gump throughout this episode. Yeah. I really want to watch Forrest Gump again. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe this was the one with the weird chili trip in it. No, was that was. Uh, oh, actually, yeah, it was. There it was like two different weird chili trips. There was the two animated. So throughout all of this, there's weird animated segments yeah. and bits and pieces. And there was one. It's either this one or the fried chicken one. I think it was the Nashville fried chicken one. Yeah, that was. That, that, I think in this one he has that little thing where it's just. It's not animated. It's yeah. just he's like they they. Just doing weird stuff with the camera. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's too hot. Yeah. Like, yeah. He goes on like a Homer Simpson chili trip. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's He can't handle his heat as well as he no. thinks he can, right? Because that's two. I didn't realize that's two separate episodes where he has like a breakdown <laughs> over how hot something is. But yeah, it must be a point of pride for him. Or it might have been the Chinese food episode. No, it was definitely yeah. this one. But is. Uh, yeah, we've got a couple episodes to quickly blast through. Um, we've got yeah. the barbecue one next. Okay. This is the one with Jimmy Kimmel. Sorry. I <laughs> love... So How many episodes is Jimmy Kimmel in? <laughs> this is the one. Okay, I, cool. I'm going to have to I Google... Mean, if it was up to me, he'd be in all of them. Okay. I'm going to have to Google who the fuck Jimmy Kimmel is. Like, I'll, I'll I mean, recognize He's, he's not Jimmy face. Fallon, which okay. took me a long time right. to figure out. Um, I love the, the rank of pit master is a real thing. That's pit the master. coolest thing. Like... Enter into my lair. I yes. am Pitmaster George. <laughs> I did like how this brought in a lot of women into it mm. as well. Because women are not something that's very... As someone who loves barbecue women, it's a very barbecue man thing. women. Yeah. No. But there's... um, I went to like a barbecue class in Perth and it was like... There was like two women there, like in general... But and it was so fucking masculine. Everyone there was like the biggest fucking toxic masculinity dude you could think of. And it was like, yeah, drinking beers and making all this stuff. But I hate that I'm associated with this by mm. liking it. Like I really would prefer to not have all of this shit associated with barbecue. Yeah. So I like that they brought in some female point of views. And also just quickly that scene where they're giving the presentation on the pig and they're like sawing its head off. Yeah. And like everyone else is, like this guy's just talking about the pig and they're just sawing and you can see even the audience is like, <laughs> do you have to saw off its head while we're doing this? Like, it was real fucking full on. Yeah, was, yeah, this is this is definitely the worst one for like animal slaughter. Animal yeah. slaughter so in general. So much shit going on in this episode. It never really <laughs> occurred to me that like you go to a, you go to a fancy restaurant and you get a steak there. Right, but it really occurred to me that you get a steak in a fancy restaurant and that's fancy. But suddenly, if you barbecue it, it's not fancy anymore. It's because of the cut of the meat. Mm. Because, like, when you really think about it, like a sirloin steak, you get like one out of a cow. Mm. So think of the amount of effort that goes into raising a cow to that level Mm. and then killing it for one steak. That's okay, why that it costs sense. like 50 bucks for this piece of steak. Whereas other bits where you can get like multiple bits of other parts, they cost weight less. And that's where the like the quote unquote prestige of it comes in. Because you're eating the absolute best part of which there was only one per cow done. Mm-hmm. And so there's not a lot of it and blah, blah, blah. There was, I, I don't know if it was this episode or another one. Uh, it was like deep fried duck's feet. 
Uh, that was like, Chinese, Chinese food. Yeah. That was a Chinese. Okay, uh, yeah, because I was thinking like, wow, you like that's two per duck, and that's it. Yeah, uh, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, uh, you, that's all you get out of this. I wonder yeah. how a lab grown meat will change the sort of fancy. Hopefully, massively. Yeah, hopefully yeah. massively. Yeah, it'll make it far more accessible, which will be nice. Um, I loved his friend's red suit. It was fucking rad. Yeah. I loved his subsequent suit of photos of him wearing the red suit. Yeah, because was, he got sauce on his red suit. Yeah. So he had to wear the suit, the, the, the suit of him that, wearing the red suit. Those are the two best outfit choices. Yeah. I, I hope, yeah, I need to get some like that. Guy that guy was sick. He should have been the host of this. Yeah, he was great. He was so much, he was so he was, cool. And he was also very chill and he was uh, more, because uh, a host should facilitate discourse, yes. not really cause it. Yeah, uh, well, not cause conflict instead. Yeah. He's, um, so... You have the donkey conflict in this, yep, the infamous that. donkey conflict of I Donkey conflict, the donkey conflict, donkey conflict. But I, the thing, this is another, I guess, another thing that kind of pisses me off a bit about David is he has this Chinese translator trying to explain to him like he's he's like making this huge fucking deal about donkey in the middle of the street, and he's got this Chinese translator being like, it's actually like really like important over here mm-hmm. <laughs> like there's a lot of cultural significance behind it and you know and he's still like nah i'm not fucking eating it and it's like it god was, it was such a obnoxious- weird thing <laughs> to draw the line at considering i know how like uh pan cultural and uh, accepting of and how his whole message is like all I'm- cuisine is good uh that he's been yeah. doing the whole series it was such a st- strange thing to that's Fake what I was trying to get at it before. It's like, isn't this the point of the show? Yeah. Isn't this the point you're trying to make? And now you're chucking a tantrum about the idea that someone's eating a donkey. Yeah. And like, if it was just like, <laughs> oh man, I don't want to eat that. I don't like it. Yeah. I'm not jazzed about that. But it's cool that they're doing it. He didn't even do that. No, he was like, he was no, just like, no, you shouldn't eat that. Yeah. It's like, what the fuck are you doing, mate? And that's why you got this kind of struggle he has between this pretentious fine dining David and this like. I want to be a champion of the lower class foods, David, because yeah. he hasn't found a balance yet in himself. I think, but yeah, anyway, I've already covered all this again. Um, I as soon as like they mentioned barbecue, uh, I kept waiting on the edge of my seat for some sort of Australian reference, mm. and I eventually figured out yeah. why because uh, the type of barbecue that they're describing in all this is this whole cuisine of it. Whereas I realized, like I took, I kept being like, oh, why aren't they talking about Australians? <laughs> Barbecues are so Australian, and I thought, hang on a minute. What is an Australian barbecue to me? And it is a gas stove yeah. in a park that you scrub with alfoil for a bit. Yeah. Uh, you scrape some of it off and whatever's left is flavor. You put some basic sausages yeah. on that. You get sliced bread, tomato yeah. sauce, maybe some onions, and that's it. And I was like, okay, sure, fair enough. You're not yeah. going to describe that. Yeah. yeah. It's not the same. Yeah. And I think that's where Americans get thrown off when they come to Australia. And they're like, I want an Australian barbecue. Like, you don't want an Australian barbecue. <laughs> Like it's great, I love them, but mm. you what you're thinking is not what you're going to get, yeah, and you're not going to like it. You know, it's, it's just the the most basic. It's it's kids party food. It's the exact opposite because American barbecue is low and slow. Australian barbecue is really hot and as fast as you can possibly cook it. Yeah, <laughs> like just fucking char it. You know that mm. kind of thing. So, yeah, were you going to say something? Uh, I just. I love living in Australia and I love our food in the sense that I love the food that people who people have brought over from other countries and I love that it all mixes here. There isn't really anything a food that's like Australian that I got to say I love except for like paddle pops and fairy bread, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I don't feel like we have 
much of a food identity of our own besides the fact that we're our identity is everyone, everyone else's, else's identity. Every, yeah. All of the best uh, quote-unquote Australian dishes were stolen from New Zealand, and I'm proud right. of that. Pavlova and Lamingtons, they're both delicious. So, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, obviously there's... You don't like Pavlova? Oh, no, I love Pavlova. Okay, sure. Yeah. You just made a noise like you didn't like it. No, yeah. it's just it's a bit of a controversial statement to say I'm that pro- Pavlova is. <laughs> From a what I've heard, Pavlova thing. and Lamington are pretty much definitively stolen from New Zealand. It's Did just a people. New Zealander tell you that? Uh, yeah, it's just people being bitches about it, and I'm like, I don't care. I'm gonna uh, like look. New Zealand is maligned enough on the world stage. Uh, France blew is up. It? France blew up a, a Greenpeace boat in a uh, New Zealand harbor in I think the 70s. Uh, which is a actual act of war, and nobody gave a shit <laughs> uh, because it's New Zealand. Like New Zealand, when was the last time you before the pandemic? Because Jacinta Ardern's doing a great job. When did you hear about New Zealand in the news? I would constantly never hear about New Zealand, and I think we're the closest neighbor. If we don't talk about what's going on there, who the hell does? Uh, they were in the news because of Eminem was suing one of their uh, politicians for uh, uh, stealing one of his songs for their. Um, Political advert. I remember that. And also, their previous prime minister kept tugging on someone's ponytail. Jeez. Yeah. So, like, in that terms of the debate, I'm fine to let them have that. Like, I've seen enough that, like, there's it's probably theirs. Like, fuck it. Who gives a shit? I'm happy to give New Zealand credit because they don't get much for anything. Lord of the Rings made them famous. Yeah. Yeah. They get. They got that. Uh, They got a lot of stuff. Yeah. And there's a lot of good stuff in New Zealand. There's nothing. Goes wrong there. Yeah, just well, don't I mean, occasionally it does. Occasionally, yeah. but I mean, for the most part, it's fine. I'm I'm happy to give them the benefit of the doubt. Fair. Um, there was something I wanted to get in on this episode before we move on from it, uh, and it was oh, in that food market where they meet that guy and he's like, "Just buy something from anywhere here, bring it to me, and I'll caramelize it for that you." That was cool. And I was like, "Why do that's a million dollar idea? <laughs> like you could." There's a way that you could do that and just put one in every city, just like a little stall somewhere, where it's bring me something from anywhere and I'll just put it in sugar and caramelize it for you. Like, think of how much money you could make off that. Yeah, that was Maybe that was we great. should That's our business. We've got to steal it from this poor Chinese man. All right, let's keep rolling. Uh, fried chicken. Aziz is back. Aziz, um, he's problematic, but never mind. I got really excited at the beginning of this episode because I thought it was going to be vaporwave themed. No. <laughs> it was just like 80s sitcom vibes. And I, I liked the kind uh, of the well, bit like that they Japanese did. game show. I, I, I enjoyed I, I, I enjoyed the, the brief moments of Vaporwave. I, but if you were going to do a Vaporwave themed episode, I think that would have to be for like ramen or something. Probably, I guess. Yeah. I was going to think of a Vaporwave food. So this episode was uh, big on describing uh, racial issues mm. in regards yes. to fried chicken. It was That's probably the most interesting thing to discuss about this episode because mm. um, it's just fried chicken does have a lot of racial connotations in America at the very least. Mm-hmm. Uh, honestly, it has a lot of racial connotations almost everywhere was pretty much the story of this because like in different ways though, like it's just it's interesting how so many cultures have bonded in different ways to fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Like for America, African Americans, it's almost something they want to reject. Whereas it's like the Japanese are like, this is our Christmas food. Like it's such a weird food to have so many weird keystone cultural bits over different parts. Yeah, I I remember being really confused as a teenager going on line and interacting with more Americans. 
and realizing that for African Americans, it was apparently shameful to be associated with fried chicken and watermelon, which just seems so bizarre to me because to me those were both like luxury foods, yes. delicious, mm-hmm. wonderful luxury foods. Like wait, coming from rural Australia, yeah, yes, okay, uh, yeah. Like I liked how this uh, this episode did describe uh, like this was. I'd known of the racial thing with fried chicken. I didn't growing up, yes. and so I was confused by it. This uh, gave a lot more context to it. Yes. They did mention watermelon, but they didn't explain it, so I still don't know why watermelon is also involved uh, in that. I think it's a similar thing. It's just so the idea was back... Just for the people who haven't watched this, as a general rule in this show, I think we assume yeah, do that your people homework. have watched no, it. We don't need to explain yeah. it to those people. But just in case... Um, the general gist is that, uh, so if you're in America, you probably know this already, but basically where they were talking about how for most African-American, particularly African-American women, fried chicken was their way to make money in, you know, effectively, like it was their job, it was their thing. It's because you always saw a lot of people, black people selling fried chicken. Mm-hmm. And I think watermelon was similar in that they would, it's any, it's a cheap thing to just buy a watermelon, cut it up and sell it by the slice. Okay, because you know, um, watermelon as a fruit, it like requires such a shit ton of water to make. I was thought it was a more expensive food to farm. I think you make a lot of it though. Okay. Yeah, I I don't remember getting much watermelon growing up, which is why I always thought it was like an exciting thing. I like it's. I remember not uh, learning at a particular point in my life that there were some foods you couldn't get at certain times of the year, and not understanding that, like uh, coming from such a prosperous uh leaming community yes. uh and thinking oh if i want a strawberry i can just go get a strawberry if i want a watermelon i can go get a watermelon it's they're there whenever i want them yeah. i just don't want them now it was a little bit of a shock to learn that man is not in fact the master of their own fate yeah. uh and conqueror of all the elements there are still things which they are not available all year round like strawberries and watermelons yes. yeah um and I think that's look. But that said, I'm no expert on African American issues, so if I'm wrong, sorry. I guess I mm. is it me apologizing for being wrong now. <laughs> yeah, it's do like, not it, write me a message about me being wrong. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go in like read about it, and because uh, I am curious about the watermelon part of it, because I fucking love watermelon. I was Delicious. talking. I was talking to a um, American friend of mine a couple of weeks ago, and we're talking about KFC for some reason, and she was like. You do know that the colonel is meant to be a plantation slave owner, right? <laughs> I was a little... What? <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's meant to be a southern dude. According to my friend, like the way he dresses is the way plantation owners are meant to dress. And the whole reason they make him the, the icon, the mascot, is because... Or, or, or the re- reason the original yeah. colonel dressed like that was because he was trying to look like a plantation owner to imply that he had a bunch of black slaves who made delicious <laughs> made delicious fried chicken. Like that makes sense. Yeah, he does. I think he does dress in a similar sort of way. Again, I don't fucking know. Uh, but I always assumed that was the case once I learned about the history of it. Yeah, yeah. I've, from what I've heard about the colonel, he wasn't a nice man, so I could believe it. But the, be- the best version of him is uh, where they did. Uh, the Colonel and uh, Ronald McDonald, but they're dressed up as if they were Cloud and Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII oh, yeah. at like some anime convention, and they're like the costumes were just fantastic. That's just what all I think about of Colonel Sanders and Mackers now. Remember those horrifying Ronald McDonald videos you used to send me? Yeah, those. For, I was thinking about that from Waka Waka. 
<gasps> yeah, and they had the he plays it's they're an Australian sketch comedy group on YouTube. And he has this ongoing Ronald McDonald character where he plays the most deranged, meth-addicted Ronald McDonald you've ever seen. <laughs> and he just runs around and, like, fuck shit up and all of that. Oh, it's, wow. it's it's It gets it's, me every time. It's so funny. It's very disturbing. It is also very disturbing. There's a lot And of, disgusting. There's a lot going on in them. I would suggest mm. you look them up if you want a piece of Australian culture. Mm, right. I did also like the point where they made where it's, like, explaining a burger to like uh, some cultures is hard, but every single culture gets that this is a fried chicken. Mm-hmm. Yep. You know, this is a bird that we dipped in oil and <laughs> that's it. Yeah. I, I don't know. I just don't understand. As like, okay, if fried chicken is done badly, then I can understand it being lowbrow. But p- fried chicken done well. I can't imagine something that delicious being considered lowbrow. I think to a point that you earlier made, it's to do with ingredients. It's mm. that it's a very common thing to get. Uh, it's a very easy thing to make. Mm. Um, so when you're going, when you're doing your basic, simple, fine dining, think of, oh, I want to be opulent. I want to experience things that other people haven't experienced. It doesn't mark high up on there because, oh, everybody could have this. There, there really needs to be a distinction, I think, drawn between quote-unquote lowbrow food or quote-unquote lowbrow anything, really, mm. and actual bad things. Yes. Yeah. It's like, McDonald's, that's bad. <laughs> Whereas... Fried chicken done Opinion. well. That's good. It might they may both be lowbrow, but mm-hmm. very different experiences. True. I also think um, the act of deep frying since the fast food explosion has been associated with fast food and therefore like just mm. not very classy food in general. Mm. Yeah. If that makes sense. Whereas before it probably would have been the opposite. Like in one point in this, they're talking um uh, to that, I don't remember anyone's name in this, um, but they're talking to another chef, and he's just like, "Fried chicken used to be like a once a week thing for like mm. special occasions, and now you can have it all the time." You know that kind of thing. You so really shouldn't. You really shouldn't, <laughs> yeah. but you can. Um, and I think that kind of shows. You know, it used to be fancy a treat, and now it's not mm-hmm. sort of thing because everything is fried now. So yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't have much other to say. Like, I think that was a really good episode. It, uh, it does it's just very educational. In terms of food porn, or oh, oh, actually educational, this was... I didn't write down that this was educational, but I actually wrote down it was educational because it finally taught me what you meant to do with the bread that they serve fried chicken on because they were using it as a way to like pick up the fried chicken. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, so that's what it's for. Yes. But, um, yeah, I think for me... In terms of food porn, this was the best episode for food porn yeah. for me because it might have just been because I was I'm I was and still am extremely hundred, hungry while watching it. But I <laughs> You've really gotta eat yeah. more, man. Uh, anyway, fried rice. Ready to move on? Yeah. Okay. Uh, so what did I have here? Um. I wrote down what is the deal with the over the shoulder filming style? That's just the documentary style, isn't it? Uh, I, I just don't remember. It just seemed weird because you, you're looking at someone and you've got this big blurry outline of someone's shoulder and head while you're trying to watch someone. Yeah, it's meant to imply that you're in the setting. But um, that means I'm like creeping creepily over someone's shoulder and I'm not actually a proper member of the conversation. I mean, I guess, but it, hey, it's it's a technique. <laughs> it's a technique. It is what um, it is. This was probably my favorite episode. Okay, so like they, uh, I like the roundtable discussions that they have most in this series. Um, yeah. I like when everybody's sitting at a table, 
they're, they're chowing down on the topic of the week, um, and everyone is bringing up these interesting debating points uh, throughout it. Um, something they did bring up, though, they were talking about uh, it, in relation to race of what are you afraid of with Indian or Chinese food? Um, because, and I, I don't know if it was this episode or another one, but like Asian, America, uh, Asian immigrants to America being derided uh, and vilified, um, there was like a story that was promoted that they ate rats and all of their food was gross mm-hmm. and weird and uh, dirty and everything. Um, and so therefore um, not liking the food or thinking that the food is gross and dirty was this racist part of it and that that flavors uh, a very soft, low-grade racism of where they, they had an example where someone gave a really good review to an uh, Asian restaurant, which was chefed by a white guy, uh, as opposed to an obviously superior one, which uh, wasn't as prestigious looking. Mm. Um, but just on the point of like, what are you afraid of with Indian and Chinese food? Like, I'm not, I'm trying to be more adventurous with food myself, but the thing that I am most often feared is that I'll order something, I won't like it, and I'll feel I've wasted an entire meal and made a fool of myself. Yeah, that's, I, that's often like what prevents me from ordering dishes. I, I do like uh, sampling things. Uh, like uh, going to cider places and they've just got, just got like shot glasses of mm-hmm. cider. I really appreciate small sample sizes to test stuff. But that's a that's one of the good things about Chinese and Indian, for example, is that you're expected to share. So if you yeah. you can try the things that other people are having. So yeah, whenever yes. I've been to a, a Chinese restaurant with a big crowd of people and they've just ordered a shit ton of stuff, I've loved it. It's always been fantastic. Mm-hmm. The problem is I don't write down what anything is. No, um, well, I could probably guide you through it at some point but it's i think part of that being adventurous with your food is having to accept that you might not like something for a period of time Mm -hmm. which i'm not saying makes it better or like more interesting like i don't like barriers of entry to anything but for some foods and yet you recommended us that book what no i i i'm actually find that better Uh, we'll talk about that later um but anyway I feel like, yeah, in general, some times when you're trying a new food, yeah, you won't like it the first time you eat it, mm-hmm. but you've got to like keep eating it, which is hard to do if you're not in the culture that made it. At my first sense, yeah. year of university, they had, um, you know, those Chinese, I think they're Chinese buns, those buns, like barbecue bo- buns, you know the ones? No. Yeah, I know them. Yeah. Um, barbecue pork buns. Yeah, they're barbecue pork buns, but they also had um, red bean buns. Yeah, red bean's good. Yeah, bean. so I decided to have one. I don't know if it was something off with this particular... I think it was my first time having red bean. I don't know if it was something off with this particular bun or not, or if it was just my reaction to the first time eating it. Uh, it made me feel like I wanted to throw up, mm-hmm. and I, but I, I kept eating it just to... But you know, be, be a big man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, even though I was like, uh, like gagging, and everyone just kept telling me to stop. Um, but it's weird because every single time after that that I've had rain, really like, yeah, this is all right. I don't know if it was just my like a weird bun or if like it might have just been a fucked bun. If you maybe. got it from uni, <laughs> it might have been fucked. Maybe. Like I don't know. Uh, but sometimes like I'll have something and I'm like, I don't like this, but then I'll go, I'll go on with the rest of my life and I'll keep thinking about it. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I'm like, I could really go for that. I've had that experience that, before. I can't remember yeah. what with, with what, 
I, have I know that my taste buds have changed over the years. Uh, and so, yeah, it's, it's worth revisiting things every now and then. Yeah, getting back into it. Like, I used to be a huge wine snob. Mm-hmm. And then I, I started liking American barbecue. And then, because Sarah, my partner, loves beer. She's always loved beer. And she's always been lukewarm on wine for the most part. Mm-hmm. Though she's warmed up to wine for me. And I've warmed up from beer from her. But um, mm. it's I'm big on beer now. It's one of my favorite things. But that's because I started eating American barbecue and I was just like, I need like a drink that complements this really well. And so I started drinking beer more. And I'm like, this makes this make way more sense. Okay. Like both of these two things together have taught me how to appreciate like the f- one of these things I didn't like very much. Mm. Um, and so it's interesting how sometimes you just need to put something in the right context. Mm. And sometimes you don't get that outside of its own culture. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense, like yeah. you, you just you're not eating this the way that it was meant to be eaten. I don't mean that in like a pretentious, oh, you shouldn't eat this way, but like it was designed to be eaten this way because it's good when you do it. Yeah, there was kind way. of a plan. There was kind of a plan <laughs> yeah. behind this. Yeah, uh, and if you take one element out of it, it doesn't make sense. It doesn't really, yeah, make sense anymore. And I think that's the big thing that this show taught me about was like knowing where food comes from and respecting that because that's often why it's good. Yeah. And to me, that goes back to, I think, in the first part, we're talking about authenticity. If you can get that right, I don't really care what race you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's stuff like in the next episode with the dumpling, they talk about this stuff like, you know, this dumpling is made like this because it's meant to, you're meant to just grab it from a store and eat it on the way to work, you know, in mm-hmm. your factory job. And so that's why it's made like this. And that's what it's intended to do. It's a takeout food. Like, mm-hmm. literally, you grab it and you go. And... If you take food out of that context, you need to justify it to me. You need to give it some reason to be outside of there in some way, shape, or form. And if you can do that, then great. But if you can't, you're kind of just taking something that was meant for one thing and being like, I'm going to put this on a fancy plate. Like, cool. What's the Mm. point of doing that? One of the the highlight dish of when I went to the UK for the first time, Mm. actually, second time, the first one barely counts. Um, And I had a... I don't know which is the way to pronounce Cornish pasty or Cornish pasty. Don't know. I say pastry. I think it's pasty. Oh. <laughs> like, because one sounds like pastry and other sounds, I don't know. Might like, be pasty, actually. Cornish pasty, let's say, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, and it was delicious. It was like a uh, meat stew in wrapped in pastry. And it was a big ass thing and it was delicious. And it was designed that way because the crust was really thick and hard because the miners who were working all day down in the mines would hold on to this thing uh, by the crust and eat the inside of it and then throw the crust away Hmm. so that they could eat without touching their hands. Um, And it sucks for them because the crust was almost the most delicious bit for me. Um, But yeah, it was this really practical, like functional food. It was just so delicious. I want more. Fair. I remember finding out that like Cornish was... um, like not just a pasty, it was actually like a people mm. and a language. Yeah. And I was like, I was in the car with my mum at the time. And I was, oh my god, mum, did you know that like the Cornish are a people? And she's like, yeah, we're Cornish. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's skipping ahead to the last episode again, though. The they describe like a battle between uh, the the Bologna, uh, the the Bolognese, and another Italian group, and I'm like, oh man. Everything's just named after places, isn't it? Yes. Like fucking champagne and 
everything it's all, all the things that I think are food and delicious they're just places and people just places and people do we have anything else to say about Chinese yeah, food yeah there's a lot to say about this one I think um, I was really interested to hear that there's apparently more Chinese food in the US than there is like a lot of the fast food chains yeah I would believe that I, I, I specifically wrote down in my notes I never would have believed that <laughs> okay cool yeah, I, I didn't have anything else to to add to that one really. I, I wrote down when he was trying the, like the slimy food in China, mm-hmm. that she that woman he was with. You know how you get those iceberg memes. Yeah. And you get the more norm, the more yeah. like common stuff at the top, the and then it gets and then it gets down, it gets oh, yeah. more obscure and sometimes more disturbing. I wrote down she started him off at the bottom of the Chinese yes. food iceberg. She really <laughs> did. She was like, "This took me literal years to start liking." <laughs> and it's like uh, Jesus Christ, just. But I this also pissed me off at him because he spits out the tendon. And I'm like, you couldn't fucking swallow it. Mm. Like You're for the this sake amazing, of, like I would do that. I, that would be, I wouldn't go into the restaurant in the yeah. first place. But you wouldn't go. That's the thing. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't go because you know you're not going to like it very much, and mm. you probably won't do it. Like. Well, there's clearly very passionate people making that, yep. right? Who care a lot about what they're doing and take it very seriously. And I believe you as a person would recognize that and like, I'm not going to like yeah, this. Yeah, like if I wanted yeah. to test that type of food, yeah. I wouldn't go there. I'd go to some yeah. other like place that could do like a small shitty sampler version yeah. of it, the small cheapy whatever, so that I know I'm not shitting on someone's amazing It's low form. stake. Yeah, yeah, a low stake version of it and go, yeah. okay, cool, that's not for cool. me. But he's in front of these people who clearly this means a lot to them mm. and he just spits. And the, his, the person he's with has to like apologize on mm. his behalf and be like, sorry, he's just very white um yeah. even though he's not but um it's the ironic thing is that she was white yeah and they they looked so upset mm. about it and i'm like you're you're here on the you you can't do this show and try to have this message and then spit that out in my yeah. opinion you can swallow it for the sake of the show mm-hmm. like is my opinion but anyway enough of me bagging on david <laughs> yeah. I, I it got me thinking I've seen so many Chinese, Japanese, and now Korean restaurants around the place. Yep. I've never in my life seen a Mongolian restaurant. Um, Neither. I, I have no idea what that would be like. I vaguely remember there being one yeah? around Vic Park, I think. Huh. But I think it's gone now. I guess out of all those countries, Mongolia has by far the smallest population. So maybe and that's got something Mon- to do with it. And isn't Mongolia kind of like a Viking culture, as in they uh, brought a lot of other cultures into their fold? I'm not sure. They're very nomadic. Yeah. Um, I don't think we have a huge amount of. They don't. As much as they're nomadic, they don't. I don't think they travel internationally colossally. Right. So I don't. At least we don't have a huge immigrant population, which might be why we don't have it. The waitress at the last time I went to a Korean restaurant, the waitress there was from Mongolia. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah. But did you know Mongolia's. At least according to maps I've seen, actually it's pro- quite progressive. Yeah, it yeah. is. It's, um, it's an interesting place. As I've seen a few art exhibits mm. about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, is there anything else about the fried rice one we wanted? We didn't talk about fried rice at all, but it really, it, this was more Chinese. Yeah, it yeah. was It's just the name of the episode. I was like, you know, fried rice, fried rice is good. They went <laughs> to that restaurant at the end with all the seafood in the... Oh, I put... Yeah, glass. I wrote down what the fuck was that lobster pile. Yeah, the lobster mm. pile. And like, God, this is this. A lot of the times throughout the show, like, 
I'd see the stuff that they'd order and it'd be either like small kind of servings of it or it was obvious that they they weren't doing all of this back to back. So I think, oh yeah, they're not really wasting much food mm. in terms of this. Like they've just made like mm-hmm. a smaller version of this yeah. dish or it's a relatively small dish to start with. And, it, and that's maybe their lunch for the day and they're just shooting other scenes mm. all, all over the place. This was the first scene where I was like, You've left like so much. <laughs> I hope that as soon as you cut the recording, you just l- bring in the camera crew yeah. and everybody to just finish this Eat off. Eat this lobster. Was this the episode where there was that guy talking about how he's getting death threats over ta- after taking over his parents' restaurant? Yeah, because he fucked it up. Because it was like, uh, well, the best of the restaurants in the neighborhood. And he took over and he made it shit and people were saying they were going to kill him <laughs> over it. Could you imagine that? Like uh, just... A, by inheriting a family business and fucking it up so badly that people want to kill you. To be fair, like people... Like how traumatic that would be. <laughs> it would be traumatic, but to be fair, people will say, will threaten to kill you over a lot less in my experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was surprised to learn that there's MSG in American snacks, like a Western snacks. There's I, MSG in everything. It's yeah, just barely know what MSG is. Like the first time I heard about MSG was someone describing to me how the idea that MSG is bad is is dumb. Yeah. Um, and I was like, okay, cool. What's MSG? This is the first time hearing about it. What what, it's, what is it's like a slightly it's it's, it's a seasoning? It's a it's a seasoning. Like it's just a seasoning. I'm like, all right. Because I was I was introduced to the concept of MSG when my sister was telling me about how she used to eat a lot of like instant ramen and then she started getting sick and she said it was because it had a lot of MSG in it, and so I was under the impression it was just something you got in like ramen, and mm. <laughs> no, you just, you get in uh, almost anything. It's mm. just a well, it's a racist thing that the show touches on. Yeah, they just they turned it into a racist thing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and you've got they sat down all those people and educated them about it. And yeah, there was some, there were some shocking opinions in that. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was a uh, I there was a lot of people doing. I, I wonder how staged that was. Yeah, um, it was... But, yeah. like, there was uh, at least... David classic, was too calm. Yeah, there was a lot of the classic things of, I'm not racist, but <laughs> uh, just a lot of, like, those opinions yeah. getting thrown. And, like, yeah, this is all the stuff that it would be said. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was just... Yeah, it was a bit on the nose. I'm intrigued to know that Chinese restaurants apparently all have secret menus. They don't. Uh-huh. That sounded like garbage to me. <laughs> that sounded like just being a huge asshole until they gave you something to make yeah, you happy. Yeah, because they're like, uh, ask for this, then piss them off, then ask yeah. them about it again, and then piss them off more, and then ask them about it again. Just keep asking and being obnoxious until eventually they let you in on the secret. That's not what's happening. Yeah. Mean, they're just sick of fucking dealing with you, mate. The way, the way they made it seem throughout this documentary is that if you go to an Asian restaurant, you should be really shitty to the staff and the staff should be really shitty to you and that's just how it's meant to go. That said, the best <laughs> Chinese restaurant experience I had was that 24-7 one that we had. Uh, um, Uncle Billy's or something. Uncle I actually, Billy's. I wrote that down here. Yeah. and Because um, I, I was never really that crazy about Chinese food because when we went, we'd always have the same very white person yeah. kind of Chinese food. And it wasn't until I went 
and ordered something that wasn't the standard white person stuff. I was like, wow, this stuff's actually really, really good. good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was one of the best Chinese experiences I've ever had. And they were so rude to us. Admittedly, <laughs> they had a 24-7 Chinese place in the middle of North Bridge, which is our seediest district. Mm-hmm. So I can understand them being a bit fucking pissed off at everybody. <laughs> but still. No, according according to this show, that's just how, just uh, how, how it is. is. That's mm-hmm. just how it goes, man. Yeah, it's, it's cool. The, I do agree with the idea though that if you go into a place that's a certain ethnicity and there are people of that ethnicity eating there who like at least equal or outweigh the white people, you're onto a good place. Yeah, yeah. Usually, um, I'd heard that wisdom before this show. Yeah, pretty much. It's it's a good one. So, yeah, I think are we good with Chinese? Cool. Yep. We'll yes. blitz through the last episode and then final thoughts. We'll wrap this up here because yeah. this is I'm getting tired as hell. <laughs> um, so, so yeah. What do you prefer, dumplings or raviolis? Probably dumplings I eat more often. Uh, I guess you just backed me into a corner. Of course, tortellini. Yes. <laughs> I thought this was a very contrived forced episode concept. Yeah, yeah. What this episode should have been, there's a bit where he's in Japan and he's like, this is like where I lived because I lived in a fucking homeless shelter pretty much, you know, in a reverend's room and I worked in this small-ass noodle bar and that's why I really learned to appreciate noodles, you know? Like, he went back to America and he was he went to a fine dining restaurant to work there. And he's like, I just want to make fucking noodles. Like, I don't care about any of this shit. That should have been the whole episode. Yeah. That, should have, that was so interesting. And there was so much he talked about and so many people he could have talked to. Like, his old boss at the noodle place. And now he's a famous chef and all of that kind of stuff. Like, there's so much you could have done with that. Mm. And instead, it's just this 10-minute segment in this weird convoluted debate, which pits one culture against another, which felt a bit shit. This felt like the manifestation of all of his trauma crammed into one episode. And the thing about the debate was so annoying was that as they're going through all of the points, like this, uh, David's point is, uh, I think dumplings are good, not necessarily better than Italian, but I just want them to get the representation that they deserve. And I don't think anybody's fighting him about that. No, no one fights him about any of his points. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, no one cares about any of this stuff. Like, they just want to talk about what they're passionate about, which is food. But David wants to turn it into this big, like, he's got this idea of how the world works, which, again, I think is very informed by his own experiences. And he can't seem, through this whole show, eight episodes, They this took two years to film. This, this one season, right? Mm-hmm. Two years of filming this. He didn't fucking figure out that at the end of it, no one cares as much as he does about any of this. Mm. And it's his kind of thing. But he like, talks yeah, to probably- all these people, all these experiences, and it never sinks in. He doesn't listen to anybody. Because, yeah, like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not of that world. I'm sure yeah. there is a lot of food racism out there. Sure. That's probably legit. But, hey... Fucking, I thought the last episode was supposed to be some sort of a wrap-up yeah. where get all of the chefs that you've gotten, throw them into like a master chef style room and have them all make opposite things to what they're good at. Uh, and like, it could be contrived as well, but like, hey, we're going to make some new cuisine or some bullshit and half of it's going to be trash. And everyone just has a fun time. Uh, something like that. See all of the fusion and the combination of the stuff that you've talked about. rather Because at the end of the day, the debate was like, hey, they're both good. Yeah, cool. they're all good. It's all good food. Mm. I think the sort of stereotype of the only fine dining being basically a French food with a snooty French waiter, that may have, that's kind of like a stereotype, but it's a very sort of almost comical stereotype at this point. I think it is outdated. Yeah. Yeah. Like, 
I mean, I'm not into food culture again, mm. but it is outdated by nowadays standards. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I remember how you get very pissy about nerds saying that they're, <laughs> that they're um, like saying that nerd culture is an oppressed culture. Yeah, I get very pissy about mm-hmm. that. <laughs> I, I feel like what you're was kind the of highest grossing films of the last <laughs> yeah, ten years. I feel like you. Well, I guess. Well, when I was growing up in a little town, being a nerd was a very <laughs> oppressed thing. So maybe uh, I sure probably shouldn't be comparing myself to What's your next person, topic still, again, Claire? Huh? What's your next topic again? Uh, uh, Marvel comics. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Marvel comics. Because yeah, they're think, a real indie. Um. Yeah, do you, think, do you think I had any friends that were into any of that stuff? I almost stalked a boy for like a year because he once mentioned that he thought aliens might be real when I was in primary school. Like, I can appreciate the uh, the trauma of being young and being bullied for something that you really love and are really into. And then years later, uh, those same people being like, oh man, this shit's so good. And never getting that apology. That sucks. Yeah. And I've felt that with a lot of different things. Yeah. There isn't really a solution to that. It, no, it sucks. You've got shitty. to move on from yeah. it at some point. My whole- I know it's easy for me, the psych- professional psychologist, yeah. to say. <laughs> just, just get over it. Just move the on. Psychologist. <laughs> but it's you do at some point need to find a way to either turn that into something good or leave it behind. Yeah. My, my always thought has always been, if you have to have a certain amount of trauma to enjoy a certain thing. That means that either we have to make sure people keep getting traumatized or we have to leave that thing in the past. Yeah. yeah. Because if, like, say, if you have to be, say, like, experience racism to enjoy black culture, that means we have to make sure people keep being racist <laughs> against black people still in order to preserve yes. black culture. Yeah, there's a certain mindset nowadays that really gets to me. And it's this idea that um, every feeling is, this is, it's true, every feeling is valid, but that doesn't mean your feeling is right. Mm-hmm. Uh, every feeling comes from the experience and, you know, the way that you feel you, you, coming from that experience is fine. You know, if you've had a traumatic experience and you feel a certain way because of it, that is, that's valid. That's okay. It doesn't mean your view as a result is correct. Yeah, yeah. it's it's, a f- and that's something that's got lost in our discourse. I think a bit. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, a, a friend uh, of mine once told me that just because, uh, like, what you're feeling is real, yeah. uh, just because uh, I can't remember exactly what they said, but yeah, it's the feeling itself is there. It's the chemicals in your brain have yes. punched each other in such a way, and events have transpired that you feel this way. That's yes. that's not. Uh, it's not in terms of being morally correct or wrong. It's a series of dominoes. Mm. That thing yes. has happened. This yeah. feeling is with you now. Yes. Um, there is decisions you can make from that feeling to go yes. forward. Uh, it, that feeling itself is its a thing that should be recognized and learnt about and described and analyzed and poked at. It's not necessarily a guiding star. Yeah, pretty much. It's what we, we psychs call it emotional reasoning. Mm-hmm. It's a thought. It's one of our four errors that we tell people about, and it's it's the error which goes pretty much because I feel this way, it is justified. Yeah. Um. I feel angry, therefore something has happened to me, which it is justifiable to be angry at. Mm-hmm. Like, how many times do you see someone screaming at a McDonald's employee? That person thinks they're right to be doing that, are yep. they? No, absolutely not. You know, but mm-hmm. that's what they think. Anyway, 
Should we wrap up? This has been ages. Uh, my <laughs> final thought was uh, the discussion on the last thing. Apparently, the origin story of Tortellini is that it is naval porn. <laughs> I don't like that. Yes. I'm choosing to disregard that Fair. mythology. I, I got really kind of upset to learn that some places um, do their like do their pastas like fold their pastas by hand. I assume it, most places do. Because it made me really upset to think of all the times I've only half eaten my pasta <laughs> because they just give me too much, and I gotta I can't finish it. And now I know that all those. Put like little raviolis were done by hand, and I feel really bad about it. Look, in, in especially in terms of what I cook, whenever I uh, cook for other people, and whenever I go to an Italian restaurant, the best type of pasta is too much pasta. Yes. Doesn't matter anything Absolutely. else. Just give me more than I need. Always the case. I did like. There's one moment where the guy's like, "There's so many types of t- like tortellini. There's this. There's that. I could name them all day." And David's like, "Okay." Go and he can't think of like even like two more. Yeah, and it's like yeah, because there's like seven and that's it. <laughs> so it's <laughs> yeah, that was good. That was got him there. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so this has been quite a rabbit hole of an episode, mm-hmm. and I feel drained. <laughs> I'll give my closing thoughts. I will never watch this again. This mm-hmm. drove me insane to watch again. <laughs> it's your it was so sensation. it was so educational the first time, and I think all I needed to get. Sometimes with a hyperfixation, all you want is to be able to share it. And yes. once you have, it's done, it's gone. And this is definitely the case here. Mm-hmm. This is out of my system. I never want to watch or think about it again yep. after this. Not to say I didn't enjoy having the conversation and watching it all again, but I think I am ready to move on from this personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like, it was more educational than entertaining for me. It dragged a lot. It was very long. Um, uh, I wouldn't have watched this for pleasure. I'm. I like getting the perspectives that I got. I liked learning the way that, like, because I've always kind of had the thought of like, oh, maybe this food is like this other food, uh, and just having it thrown in your face of like every food is like every other food. There's only so many ways that humans put the shit together. Um, it's fine. I liked the shit that was shown to me in everything. Um, it wasn't that enjoyable to watch. David's a bit annoying. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm glad I watched it. Yeah, wonderful. Claire? I appreciated that it was sort of unique. It was unique. It was something I hadn't really watched anything like it before. And so in that respect, I appreciate the fact that I watched it. It was um, a bit all over the place, but that was part of what made it unique. And I don't regret watching it. Again, I won't rewatch it. Mm. But yeah, I'm hungry now. We're right. hungry when we started, so that's good. <laughs> Wonderful. All right. Well, until next time, if you want to email us, our email is hyperfixationpod at gmail.com. What was that again? Hyperfixationpod at gmail.com. Wonderful. That is pod as in P-O-D. Yep. Um, so you can get in touch with us there. We don't have socials. None of us can be fucked running it. Yep. I'm imagining. Yep. So The next episode will be whatever we goddamn feel like yep, it is. Yeah, pretty much. That's it. Uh, I would like to quickly point out if people are sending us mail. We make these far faster than we release them. So you are, if you message me about something I said in particular or something we all said, it probably happened like four months ago to us. So just keep that context in mind. We, we live in a strange yeah. time bubble uh, that we are yeah, trapped in. That we are now trapped in. So we might not remember... <laughs> 
Um, and also, if we release an episode about, say, this, like, food, and all of a sudden there's some terrible, like, food-based terrorist attack and it's very insensitive, <laughs> we didn't do, like, we're, we are in much more in the future than you think yeah. we are. We're not making this currently. This comes from the past. Yeah. So just keep that in mind in general as we go forward. But we'll see you all next time. See you around. Bye. Adios.